Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up Ay. Uh, Rising from the ashes Hello everyone, welcome to Thank you, Christina Aguilera. From the ashes, I'm Danny Naki Dan. And ha 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 homie Rumi. What's good? <laughs> What's good in the hood, homie? Oh shit, I'm just buzzing off that motherfucking coconut water with the espresso goddamn. <laughs> oh man. These things are delicious. You see this? See this can? Oh, shit. Coconut water with espresso, huh? Yeah, boy. Wow. 20 milligrams of caffeine. Boop, boop, ow. Ow. That's why you're all hybrid as shit right now? <sighs> yeah, I kind of just kicked in. <laughs> Did you pound the whole can or what? <laughs> Did so hard not to. It's like, <laughs> so why I like this brand, it's C2O. It's like a very popular coconut water brand. Yeah. And I've drank a lot of coconut water, lived on a tropical island for multiple years where we've had real coconuts. And I'll tell you what, Taste Nirvana, trash. Vila de Coco, trash. All these coconut water companies, trash. Okay. C2O, they they have real young coconut water and it's it's good. But um, the ingredients are super simple. Coconut water, espresso coffee extract, coconut milk, and coconut sugar. Mm -hmm. That's it, bro. And I'm telling you, it tastes like there's chocolate in it, man. Chocolate? It tastes like there's chocolate, but there ain't no chocolate. You feel that when I'm going to go rocking it? Yeah, motherfucker, get about the way because I'm coming through the shit like every day. All right. Uh, So it tastes like an almond joy? Oh, don't even fuck with me, bro. You already know I love the Almond Joys, dog. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Today on the show, we have Navier Alora. Navier. The Good Witch. We talk about being clairvoyant, clairaudient. She can access Akashic Records. She has some cool Hawaii stories, um, spooky, interesting stuff. She uh, she even does a reading on the pod with Roman and tells him his future. future. Uh, we talk about talking to plants, plants. doshas, doshas. Um, all kinds of stuff. She's uh, very fun to talk to. And uh, we also talk a little bit about Lemuria because I had asked her if she could contact the spirit realm and see if she could talk to them. And she came back with a little short story of it. 
Uh, she only tried it one time, and we're going to have her back on towards the end of October. And in the meantime, she's going to try to contact Lemuria a few more times, and we're going to see how that worked out for her and if she got to talk to anybody. It should be pretty exciting. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. And Roman, what's going on? Sorry. What the fuck are you doing? Talking to animals? <laughs> Summoning your inner animal spirit? <laughs> hey. Hey. Monk, R. Monkey. R. 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 F. 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 T. 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 A. A. Nose. Hurricane nose. Do 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 do. You heard it here first. All yeah, right. baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> fucking go, dude. All right, here we are. You are insane. Yeah. What do you have for us today, sir? So, okay, I took a U-turn. I was driving down the Cosmic Highway <laughs> on Rainbow Road, and I here flipped the bitch. I flipped the bitch. Slurp. Okay. <laughs> the Bifrost Bridge. The Bifrost. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you guys about algae as a supplement, as Ooh. a plant supplement, um, because there's a lot of research in a lot of different areas. Uh, and I heard algae is like a poison. Haha. And that's where the U-turn came in, my friend. So algae on most levels is a poison, right? Um, like not to water or, uh, you know, like things that feed off of algae, obviously, yeah. but you know, to like, the non- fish. yeah, like not, <laughs> you know, to, to fucking humans and dogs, like dogs have died from algae blooms and water and lakes and ponds and rivers and shit. So it's, 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 it's pretty bad, but what's even worse is the, health industry the nutrition industry the health and wellness industry misinformation for marketing ploys of making dollars off of cheap and easy to make products okay so growing algae as you could imagine is not a big overhead for a business right if you're able to grow a shit ton of algae process it powder it um and sell it to people as a health product then you're killing it, right? Like as a business. And so they, they want to stay, uh, they want to steer away from anybody finding out about um, potential harm from their product. Well, I aid that people really look into it before supplementing with chlorella or spirulina or blue magic as they call it, which is harvested from uh, Klamath Lake. Uh, in Oregon. Um, and I, I think that there could be some potential of using it, but definitely not long term across the board specifically. I mean, I, I what, what I kind of gathered is that if you 
have a plant-based diet, then you could probably find more benefit from the algae than people that are eating, you know, like uh, dairy and uh, milk and or uh, meat and whatnot. Omnivore diet. Yeah, the omnivore diet. But still, either way, with the stuff that I'm going to uh, read for you guys here, I'm going to allow you to make your judgment calls. Uh, so I'm just going to give a quick overview. Blue-green algae, which is spirulina, Produce blue-green colored pigments and are high in protein, iron, and other minerals. They grow in salt water and some freshwater lakes. They have been used for food for several centuries in Mexico and some African countries. And in the U.S., they've been sold in supplements since the late 1970s. People used blue-green algae for treating high blood pressure as a protein supplement. It's also used for high levels of cholesterol and other lipids in the blood diabetes, obesity, and many other conditions, but there is no good scientific evidence to support these other uses. Some blue-green algae products are grown under controlled conditions, and others are grown in a natural setting where they're more likely to be contaminated. Only use products that have been tested and are free of contaminants such as heavy metals, liver toxins called microcystins, and harmful bacteria. Don't confuse blue-green algae with other algaes like Ascophyllum, Nautisum, uh, Eclonia cava, Fuchis, Vesculosis, or Laminaria. Sounds like Mammaria. Uh, like I said, most algaes, you know, especially raw. Like, I mean, I, you could you could probably cook them and it, it'd be better. But literally, please don't quote me on that by any means. But... They, like, but yeah, I think like when you cook seaweed, it's better. Um, just also getting it from a clean source is going to be really helpful for you guys. So uh, I'm going to read another really fun kind of segue on this and why people think that blue green algae might be a um, precursor to some Parkinson's disease. Mm. So, since the 1950s, scientists have been puzzled by a high prevalence of an ALS-like disease among the Chamorro people, the island's indigenous residents. About a quarter of the Chamorro islanders die of a paralytic neurodegenerative disease illness that starts with symptoms of ALS and Parkinson's dementia. On autopsy, their histopathology shows uh, neurofibrillia. Frib- <laughs> fucking God, dude. today is just the day of ginormous words. Neurofibrillary. Frib. Okay, fucking fuck. Neurofibrillary tangles similar to those with Alzheimer's disease. Originally, scientists thought that the ailment was likely hereditary, but they noted that outsiders who adopted a Chamorro lifestyle also came down with these symptoms. Cox building off the work of others, showed that the culprit is blue-green algae. His most recent findings on the toxic effects of cyanobacteria were published in a study of dietary exposure to environmental toxin triggers of neurofibrillary, whatever the fuck that word is, I cannot say it, uh, tangles with the amyloid deposits in the brain in the proceedings of the Royal Society in January 2016. 
Scientists studying the Chamorro people had already suspected that consuming cycad seeds, the fruit of the tropical plant, was related to the dementia that afflicted the islanders. BMAA is a non-protein amino acid, at least in people who are genetically susceptible. So BMMA, BMAA mimics the amino acid L-serine and inserts itself into neuroproteins, causing them to misfold and tango. Tangle, Cox says. Cyanobacteria lives in the roots of cycads, and the BMAA that bacteria produce accumulates in the gametophytes of the cycad seeds, Cox explains. One study of the Guam illness had shown the macaque monkeys fed the cycad seeds also developed extreme neurological symptoms similar to those afflicted uh, islanders. The islanders regularly ate cycad seed flour made of tortillas or added them to stews as a thickener. By the theory that cycad consumption was responsible for the human illness was discounted when it was determined for the people to eat cycad seed or to eat enough cycad seed flour to get an equivalent dose to what the macaques were fed in the experiment would be nearly impossible. Then an important second discovery showed that BMAA toxin binds to proteins. The implication was that the doses tomorrow I the doses Chamorro Islanders were consuming by eating cycad seeds had been underestimated. Suspicion uh, that BMAA found in the seeds was the culprit in the ALS-like symptoms grew even stronger when the role of flying foxes in the food chain came to light. These creatures, along with the rodents and pigs, also ate cycad seeds, but the flying foxes of the BMAA toxin biomagnified up to 10,000 times. Cox showed in a study published in 2003 that meant that since these bats were a highly sought delicacy to the Chamorro Islanders, their important place on the menu was adding far more BMAA to the Islander diet. The final link between BMAA and neurological damage came when Cox colleagues sought to prove one of the Koch, uh, one of Koch's postulates. In this case, that the chronic exposure to the suspected toxin would cause uh, healthy creatures to develop neurodegenerative disease symptoms, and the toxin could be later re-isolated um, from these subjects. So uh, that's heavy BMAA uh, consumption. That is, uh, that's, that's kind of what they're leaning to causing neurodegenerative re- diseases. So I'm going to bring up another one real quick um, that will tell us more about BMAA um, from, uh, from blue-green algae. Because I have been led down the, the rabbit hole of taking spirulina um, for years and uh it kind of sucks so to be to be you know it's it's really hard to believe anything anymore uh without doing research on it (laughs) I, i i recommend people do research on on new supplements so for blue green algae the claimed effects often sound downright fantastic and range from improving general well-being and nervous system function to optimizing brain function However, the German Federal Agency of Risk Assessment warns that there is no scientific evidence for the propagated effect of cyanobacterial products. 
with regard to products, ingredients, manufacturers' advise, advertisements were also misleading as the products tend to contain a relatively low quantity of nutrients. Manufacturers also vaunt the natural origin of their products, something that rarely stands up clo- to close st- scrutiny. While chlorella and spirulina are usually grown in huge artificial tanks, most aphazonium floss aqua, uh, floss aqua algae, known as blue-green algae, are produced in large artificial freshwater lakes, Klamath Lake in Oregon, which is used as drinking water for cattle as well as bathing and consequently has a high bacteria count and a degree of eutrophication. eutrophication. Says Dr. Uh, Daniel Dietrich, environmental toxicologist at the University of Costanz. Professor Dietrich and his team of researchers at the University of Constaz. I'm sorry, I'm going to say University of Constaz, K O N S T A N Z, have conducted a study in which they examined blue green algae products for the presence of potentially harmful substances. So, yet again, more blue-green algae situations showing harmful effects. So, I'm going to get into one more article, um, and then we can digress. Um, Let me see here. So, scientists discovered a potential link between Parkinson's disease and a gene that is affected by a neurotoxin made by blue-green algae. The discovery adds to a growing body of evidence that Parkinson's can be influenced by environmental factors. The study analysis of DNA uh, methylation associates the cysteine glutamate antiporter with risk of Parkinson's disease was published in a peer-reviewed journal by Nature Communications. Both environmental and genetic risk factors are thought to contribute to Parkinson's, but how this happens and the degree to which each contributes is poorly understood. Researchers from Australia and New Zealand scanned two Parkinson-specific genetic databases for evidence of epigenetic modifications to genes related to the disease. Unlike mutations wherein DNA sequence of gene undergoes a direct change, epigenetic modifications are caused by the adaption of certain chemical groups. The DNA sequence that are able to turn off a gene or prevent it from being expressed, this is known as methylation. If a mutation in a genetic code is like exchanging one ingredient for another in a recipe, an epigenetic modification is like a garnish placed on top of the original recipe that changes the flavor. Epigenetic modifications can be caused by environmental factors such as smoking, exercise, exposure to some pesticides. Environmental factors capable of triggering Parkinson's have been a topic of intense research. From a pool of 1,132 Parkinson's cases, 999 control subjects, the researchers discovered a gene called SLC7A11, the activity that was slowed in the Parkinson's cases. The lower activity appeared to be due to the hypermethylation, rather a specific genetic change within the Parkinson's patients, and the effect of the medication was ruled out that suggested uh, environmental origin. Um... Trying to, I can't remember where I read this article a couple times. Okay, here we go. Um, SLC7 
A11 is a target environmental neurotoxin known as BMAA, which is produced by blue-green algae found in inland waterways. BMAA resulting in algal blooms poses a known health risk to both people and domestic animals. When the study does not provide a direct link between BMAA and Parkinson's, the toxin is associated with other neurodegenerative and motor neuron disorders. Past research has suggested that chronic dietary exposure to BMAA could cause an outbreak of antitrophic lateral sclerosis, Parkinson's dementia complex, among the Chamorro people of Guam in the 1950s. The ASCC1 gene was identified as a second candidate for epigenetic modification in Parkinson's. A mutation in this gene is implicated in some cases as spinal muscular atrophy and has been shown to impair nerve growth in mice. More work is needed to confirm our findings and explore other possible explanations for the link between this gene and Parkinson's disease. Uh, but one of the study's lead authors is from the new University of Queensland press release. Why? I don't fucking know why I had to fucking read that part. Anyways, my friends, be careful with spirulina. If you're putting it in your smoothies, definitely don't do a heaping amount. Maybe do just, just brief amounts or not at all. Because the main research that I have been able to find is that everything that you might be looking for inside of these health algaes for weight loss or protein or neural activity or whatever the fuck reason, you can find it in other food sources. I don't like using food sources that have potential of neural degenerative disease or anything. Mm -hmm. Stopping sure. neural pathways, bro. I mean, it's yeah, just man. not good. So please don't do it, my friends. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> That's all I got. You got any other questions about this algae crazy shit? Uh, I'm not going to be like sucking on any algae from anything anytime <laughs> soon. So <laughs> I think I think I am good, man. Good. Yeah. Um, I have uh. I'm going to read the rest of the article that I read on the last episode about Lemuria. Uh, from the Grunge, The Untold Truth of Lemuria, The Atlantis of the Pacific by Bento Serino. Uh, so I got a few, a few little sections in here. Here's one. Was Lemuria the Garden of Eden? So far, nothing too weird about Lemuria. It's a very reasonable hypothesis by a legitimate scientist to explain a weird discontinuity in the fossil record using the best understanding that modern science had to offer at the time. Scientific American reports that Philip Sclater's Lemuria was not the only hypothesized lost land bridge at the time, nor was it the first proposed land bridge between India and Madagascar. As such, it's not <laughs> unlikely that the idea of Lemuria would have simply faded away as many of these other hypothetical landmasses had were it not for some zealous writers. Key to the expansion of the idea of Lemuria was the German biologist Ernest Haeckel, H-A-E-C-K-E-L, who included ideas about Lemuria as part of his 1868 work, The History of Creation. 
Haeckel believed that Lemuria wasn't just the origin of the development of lemurs, but also of humans. At the time, humankind was believed to have arisen in Asia, but the idea of humanity originating in Africa was gaining traction. Haeckel thought that an area connecting the two might be the true solution. Later edition of Haeckel's book really drive home the connection between Lemuria and the birth of the human race by labeling the lost continent as paradise, explicitly identifying it with the Garden of Eden. Well, we know from Bach Saga, they talk about paradise and also Eden or Edan or Svidan, Svindan. Um, so there's connections there to Bach. Uh, the Tamil legend of Kumari Kandam. However, Ernest Haeckel was not the first person to theorize that a lost continent now sunk beneath the waves of the Indian Ocean was the true cradle of humanity. According to ancient origins, the Tamil, a people indigenous to South India, have a story of a lost continent that dates back to the ancient times with the name Kumari Kandam. Being applied to this sunken land in the 15th centuries, the stories tell us of an early Tamil dynasty known as the Pandian kings, who ruled over Kumari Kandam before it was swallowed by the sea. When the concept of Lemuria was introduced into colonial India at the end of the 19th century, it hit a time when two key things were happening. A Tamil cultural renaissance was occurring which led to the both the infusion of Tamil folklore into the accepted understanding of history and a rise in Tamil nationalism. The idea of Lemuria came at just the right time for it to flourish. By the early 20th century, Lemuria was being identified with the 15th century story of Kumari Kandam. The land was touted as the birthplace of all humankind and the home of the Pandian who had been rulers of the entire Indian subcontinent. Presenting the Tamil people as the oldest civilization in the world and its language as the world's first was key to nationalistic sentiments of the time. Madame Blavatsky gets weird with it. It was the now-expanding conception of Lemuria as the birthplace of human race that brought into the attention of occult circles. By the 1800s, the idea of Lemuria was appealing to Helena Blavatsky, the co-founder of the Theosophical Society, a mystical occult organization founded in 1875 in New York. Encyclopedia.com explains that Madame Blavatsky incorporated ideas of Lemuria into her cosmological history of the human race, while adding several rather unique ideas of her own, According to Blavatsky, humanity had evolved and was still evolving. Does it? A, I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry to interrupt. So sorry. Uh, does it state which Blavatsky writings that's in? Because I do enjoy Blavatsky, and I'm curious. Um, I maybe maybe. Um, I don't know. I have the secret doctrine, so I can search through there and see if I can find it in her own words. Um. I can read it on the next episode or some shit, you know? Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Here we go. According to Blavatsky, humanity had evolved and was still evolving through a series of seven stages. 
Blavatsky claimed that the current human race was the fifth race, while the Lumerians have been the third stage in humanity's development. Later, Theosophists picked up on Blavatsky's ideas and further expanded the concept of Lemuria. Perhaps the most notable theosophical writing on the subject was a 1904 work, The Lost Lemuria by William Scott Elliot, which included a map showing that the current conception of Lemuria was far more than simple land bridge that Sclater had proposed. Scott Elliot's Lemuria was a vast continent stretching from India to New Zealand, of which Australia was a surviving piece. He also posited that Aboriginal Australians were descendants of ancient Lemurians, Theosophist Charles Webster Ledbetter, who claimed to have gained knowledge of Lemuria through astral clairvoyance, describes the Lemurian as egg-headed creatures, walking lizards on leashes. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like long heads, walking uh, lizard people on leashes. Huh. And this is the lizard people's revenge against yeah, the Tartarians. Oh, sorry, Lemuria, Lemuria yeah. Tartaria, whatever. Lemuria and the evolution of humankind. Central to the concept of Helena Blavatsky's evolution of the human race are what she called the seven root races, which are the different stages of human development across time. According to Blavatsky, humanity now stands at the fifth stage of which the root race is the Aryans. Yes, this is some nonsense that the Nazis ate up like delicious pudding. Uh, <laughs> my opinion in here is Aryans doesn't necessarily mean white. Aryan is in reference to the constellation Aries, and it was the people that existed at the time of Aries. RH negative blood. Has nothing to do with Caucasian people. Yeah, you f- uh, Theosophy World explains that under this belief system, the first race was the Polarians. Ethereal. Polarians? Was the Polarians, yeah. Ethereal, non corporal beings who reproduced asexually like amoebas. The second race was the Hyperboreans who lived at the North Pole. Oh, yes. Yes. Which was tropical at the time and reproduced via balls of sweat. Okay. Uh, Yeah. The Lemurians (laughs) were the third race, and they were 15 foot tall, four-armed, hermaphroditic beings that laid eggs and coexisted with dinosaurs. Originally, they had only one eye, but... They then developed three eyes, and then eventually the third eye turned into the pineal gland. Also, they eventually invented sex about 16 and a half million years ago. Fourth race was the Atlanteans, of whom you may have heard. The Theosophists believed that the Atlanteans were the first humans to develop speech, and that their language was the basis of Sanskrit. They were also evil wizards, which is why they had to be destroyed by a flood. The fifth race was, of course, white people. And the sixth (laughs) race will be androgynous ghosts who live in Baja, California. (laughs) This sounds like I'm reading a fucking Mad Libs. This is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is known about the seventh final stage about human development. 
the lost continent of Pan. And later Mu, the original conception of Lemuria was clearly in the Indian Ocean, spanning from Madagascar to the southern tip of the Indian subcontinent. But as time went on and the idea was conflated with other lost mystical lands, the physical area of Lemuria expanded until it was covered by a good thick chunk of the Pacific Ocean as well. One other such sunken continent that was soon identified with Lemuria was the lost continent of Pan, which is described in the 1882 spiritualist text, Ospi, a new Bible by John Newbrow. Encyclopedia.com explains that Pan was a large continent that covered the North Pacific and its remnants included the land that is now the Western coast of California. California, like Madagascar has its own hand. Oh, it has its, California, like Madagascar, has its own hard-to-explain flora and fauna, and so the idea of California as a surviving chunk of a lost land only increases in popularity after Newbrow. Newbrow, by the way, was a dentist, got questions, explains that he wrote Osfi through the spiritualist technique of automatic writing in which the medium enters a trance and lets an external force, in this case, the angel host of heaven, in the name of Jehovah, control their body to do the writing. Oaspi inspired a small spiritualist movement called the Faithists, which encouraged pacifism, vegetarianism, and the belief in the ancient sunken continent whose symbols were the basis for many of their rituals. Let's get the minds involved. Encyclopedia.com explains that the New Age beliefs regarding Lemuria were also popularized by the work of an amateur archaeologist named Augustus Lee Plongeon. In the late 19th century, Lee Plongeon had been studying Mayan hieroglyphics at Chichen Itza and claimed to be able to read them. He stated that the glyphs told the story of a princess of a lost continent, which he presented in a book with the an arguably scientific-sounding title, Queen Mu and the Egyptian Sphinx. This text claimed that Princess Mu had fled the Yucatan for an ancient continent called Mu, which Lee Plantagenet identifies with Atlantis. Perhaps needless to say, Lee Plangeon's ideas were pretty roundly ignored by the legitimate archaeological community. They were not, however, ignored by the occult writer James Churchwood, who picked up on Lee Plongeon's ideas in his own work. Churchwood claimed to have found and deciphered a set of tablets in the lost fictional Nakal language, which told the story of the sunken continent of Mu, which Churchwood moved from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. He presented his ideas in his 1926 book, The Lost Continent of Mu, which described Mu as an enormous continent in the Pacific south of Hawaii. Needless, hey, to say, hey. Mu, needless to say, moving Mu to this location led to its being conflated with that other Eastern Hemisphere sunken continent, Lemuria. Last article, spoilers. California has been Lemuria this whole time. As a result of ideas about Lemuria, Pan, and Mu getting combined into one 
sort of uber continent that spanned two oceans, the conception of Lemuria continued to evolve. Encyclopedia.com says that the author and mystic H. Spencer Lewis, under the pseudonym Wizard S. Servi, and building on the 1894 book A Dweller on Two Planets, moved Lemuria entirely into the Pacific Ocean. He also said that when the continent was destroyed, its remnant slammed against the western edge of North America, becoming California and forming the North Californian volcano known as Mount Shasta. Since then, California in general and Mount Shasta in specific have become central to modern beliefs about Lemuria, with a general idea being that the surviving Lemurians live inside the volcano, which is hollow. I'm going to pause there talk about this for a minute because <laughs> as you know many tartarian people will show you maps that have california as an actual island and not part of the continent of the united states so possibly it broke With off from Lumeria Yellowstone also and, being there right there and a bunch of other volcanic mountains too which is interesting yeah. so possibly California broke off from this missing continent and collided uh, eventually, which formed kind of like uh, the there's a mountain range in Eastern California, right? The Sierra Nevadas. Yeah, boy. So maybe that's possibly what happened. I don't know, but let's we should check it out, research it more. Maybe we'll get some Tartarians on here to talk about that whole aspect of it. Um, so continuing with the article, a number of secret mystic and theosophical societies subscribe to the belief that Mount Shasta is full of lemur people, including the Rosicrucians, of which Lewis was a part. The Great White Brotherhood, the Church, Universal and Triumphant, and perhaps most notably the Lemurian Fellowship, which formed in Chicago five years after the publishing of Lewis's book. The Lemurian Fellowship teaches that the continents of Atlantis and Mu did literally exist and sink beneath the waves, one in the Atlantic Ocean and one in the Pacific. Don't worry, though. They also claim that Lemurian philosophy and cosmology is still compatible with Christian beliefs. Whew! Oh, whew. yeah, wipe the sweat off of get that the, one. Got real close the, there. We get to hold on to that Christian belief system still, you know. Can't let that go away. It goes on to say, in the height of the 1980s New Age movement, an individual Lemurian became something of a celebrity in those circles. His name was Ramtha, and he was the spirit guide of a writer from Washington State named J.Z. Knight. Just initials, Jay-Z, not, not Jay-Z and Beyonce. Encyclopedia.com explains that Knight claims Ramtha first appeared in her home one afternoon in 1977. He would sub subsequently possess her body to move and speak through her, Knight claimed. Under these circumstances, Ramtha became the focus of a fairly sizable New Age cult known as Ramtha's School of Enlightenment. According to Ramtha, he lived on Earth 35,000 years ago in Lemuria, which is not a separate continent of its own, but rather a subsection of an ancient continent called Latia. 
which mm. is understood to be Atlantis during oh. Ramtha's lifetime. Ooh. The northern portion of Atlatia, including huh. Lemuria, was destroyed due to negligent use of technology, which forced Ramtha to move to the south, where he became a mighty warrior and conqueror. After conquering three quarters of the world, Ramtha left the conquering life after a near assassination and spent the next several years in search of God. He mastered mystic abilities, including out-of-body experiences and ascended from his earthly plane. He returned in the 70s to tell people that they too can be Atlantean space ghosts if they learn to transcend the limitations of the physical form. Atlantean space ghost is got to be the coolest name ever. <laughs> that's that, that's really good. Well, it's interesting too. The uh, the misuse of technology is a, another common thread in the Tartarian world as well. So it's yeah, yet a, yet another interesting. There you know, are all on that web. Two more little sub uh, articles uh, in that long article, but I'm not going to read those. Instead, I'll just I'll post the whole thing. Um, in both episodes that I read from last week and this week, and you can finish reading it there or read more of it for yourself. And that's all that I have for you today. Yes, y'all get ready for this sweet, sweet episode with Navier. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's show. We are rising from the ashes and we as the fire tribe will rise awaken our eyes beyond what is seemingly laid upon us we can extend our consciousness to the further ends of our cosmic understanding if you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Hello, everybody. Yes, please, please, please do. Also, follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingft at yahoo.com we are exclusively on alt media united check it out altmediaunited.com forward slash rising from the ashes we love you all so much thank you for listening to our show if you find value in the content make sure to pay it forward so we can keep it going Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Rising from the Motherfucking Ashes. I'm Danny Knocky Dan. 
I'm the homie Romy. How's it going? And we are here today with Navier Alora from A Wandering Witch Podcast. She's so witchy. Aloha. How is it going in Hawaii? Hawaii. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah. I actually had um I didn't even tell you guys this. We had we had we've had a whole chat behind the gate before we even got started. And um, it was really like, good. Everybody. We know each other's life stories now. Um <laughs> But yeah, I I was actually off to a rough start this morning. I had a migraine. I had a client just before this and, um, you know, drinking some ginger beer and it's helping my, my stomach and my migraine. So I'm feeling a little bit better, but you guys always perk me up. So, oh, can I have a funny story about ginger beer? If I may on a road trip with uh, a beautiful human blessed and uh was like yo need some bevies gonna go stop in the store and grab some sweet bevs and saw some reeds extra strength ginger beer and she was specifically looking for ginger ale and i said "Mm -mm, let's do ginger beer and we got this four pack of extra strength reeds ginger beer and it was like she had one. She's like, oh, I don't like that shit. It hurt my stomach. And I was like, Pfft. two days later, I was like, I have my first sip out of it. And I was like, oh, there's some funk in these cans. Like, I think they made a moldy batch. Like they may have used moldy ginger or something. Like it was like, it it was like penicillin-y, you know, <laughs> it was uh, terrible. I was like, oh, goodness. Um, so, yeah. Um, but. I, I do love ginger beer though. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that stuff is amazing. I, I thought you didn't drink it. No, it's non-alcoholic. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. It's like really <laughs> strong. It's like potent ginger ale. Yeah. I've had ginger beer. I've had it sometimes in my Moscow mules. Oh, there so you you've go. been social engineered to hear the word beer and, and just automatically go to your Miller Lite or your Anheuser Bush. You're right. You're right. <laughs> With fluoridated water and some some pesticidal pesticide titial uh, sinuinial uh, uh, okay. crops. Uh, okay. I'm okay, done. Roman. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, Navier, tell us about your journey into your abilities and connecting with the unseen. Well, all right. So for me, really, I feel like consciousness began around four. So the summer I was turning four, I was I'm born in mid July. Um, my parents dug a pool. So by the time I was four, there was a, a pool happening like a four foot deep like fun pool but it was in ground and I didn't know how to swim but um I would wear like a I called it my bubble it's like the styrofoam like strap-on thing that you put on your back and you bob with it this is like 70s style so mm-hmm. um I used to wear it in the pool I took it off to go to the restroom and came back in jumped in without it on and started to drown, um, was drowning for 
you know, a while. And I left my body and I saw my mother at the end of the pool, just kind of frozen and screaming. And I had a voice come to me and it said, she is not going to save you. You need to save yourself. Get to the edge of the pool. And I sort of got this like, and I know this sounds funny, but sort of like a matrix download of like how to doggy paddle. Huh. I saw like the motions and I started to mimic it and was sort of like in and out, like up watching the scene and her flailing and could see myself like the top of my head. And um, yeah, it was kind of terrifying, but I somehow got to the side of the pool and hoisted myself out. And that's when things got interesting. I started like dreaming true, as they call it, having dreams that would come to pass. Like at first it was like, Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, seeing almost like a really strong deja vu. And I would say things like, I saw that in my dream or I saw that in my sleep or, you know, mommy, that person's lying, you know, um, Mm. she would take me to, they have something called high lie. It's like a, I think it's a Cuban game where you have this sort of like hook that catches a ball up against like a concrete wall and the different teams bounce the ball and catch it. And I don't know, they had a, a high lie um, gambling thing near where I lived as a kid. And um, I would pick the winners and my mom kind of like exploited me with their friends. They would, you know, take us out to lunch and stuff and be like, what colors do you like, sweetie? You know, and I'd be like (laughs) orange and purple and green. And they'd be like in that order. And I'm like, yeah. And they'd buy me an ice cream. And I was, I was not allowed to have sugar. So they would, you know, give me this like forbidden treat and they'd win a ton of money that happened for a while. And then not, so it was maybe like autumn or late summer of that year when I almost drowned, I was jumping on my bed and missed the bed and like slit my ear off my head. So, what? um, yeah, like I caught the edge of the dresser. This is what I mean. Like seventies kids, there was no like safeguard in place. It was just like, <laughs> you know, it was a different time really. And I feel like an <laughs> old person being like back in my day, but it's true. You know, it is true. Um, yeah. So I remember leaving my body again and they called an ambulance for me. They put me in a straight jacket because I was flailing and I'm sure, you know, this ear situation was gruesome and they wanted to keep me from hurting it more. Like I have my cat with a clown, clown collar on right now, the Elizabethan collar. I'm sure it's a similar thing, you know, just wanted to protect me, but I still remember that like yellowish beige, like thick kind of canvas. Like I can see it on my body and that feeling. I know what that being in the straitjacket feels like. Um, and leaving my body, I had like corn silk blonde hair. I can remember like seeing my like hair all matted to the side of my head and stuff from above. So that second thing was sort of like, you know, what really kicked it into high gear for me. And 
I started having dreams of people in coffins mm. and then they would die. And I would sometimes get like the date that they would die. And, um, you know, of course my family didn't believe me at first. And then when it started to happen and come to pass, it was, I think it was scary for them. And my dad was super religious. So he would just be like, pray to Jesus. And, you know, I had shrines on my nightstand and, um, I would like lay down in my pillow and get poked with a piece of cardboard and like pull it out. And it would say like, you know, blessed be the holy name of Jesus um, to, to take the gift away or take the curse away or whatever, you know? Um, and I must've been about six, maybe five or six. And I remember like telling them different things and getting so upset about like, why aren't you believing me? seeing spirits now and seeing um, like specters, I would call them in my room at night and being terrified. I couldn't sleep alone. What's a specter? I don't know. Like, that's just the word I always kind of called it like versus ghosts. They felt okay. like, spe- like there's a, maybe a bit of more sinister feel to it. Like I would see ghosts or spirits, but I would also see specters. There was like the specters were almost like almost like a shadow person kind of okay. vibe. But it like sometimes the shadow people I see are not interactive. I'm just feeling like I'm observing them in a sideways realm or something. Yeah. Um, but the specters definitely were coming for me and knew like there was an interaction of, of and they have a um, like the shadow people don't really have a personality, but the specters did, and the ghost Spe- specter yeah. does mean ghost, right? In some some circles yeah. or some realms, I, I've heard it before, and it reminds me of yeah. like a sword of light or or something like that. Sorry um, to interrupt. I just I just wanted to okay. turn that in there. Yeah, I th- I think it's just one of those things that took on a personal meaning for me that that was a way that was a word I used to differentiate the different types of spiritual encounters I would see um, or have. Yeah. At, at one point, you know, I used to get so frustrated and I could still cry about that feeling like for my little girl inside that didn't get believed, but I would, I would say to my parents, like, why don't you believe me? And this is what happened. And they would say, there's no such things as ghosts. Like you're just dreaming it or, you know, imagining it. Um, And then I remember opening my mouth to argue and that same voice that came to me when I was drowning said, you know, more than they do. Hmm. And it was just like, okay. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting. What do you, what do you attribute these abilities to? Do you think that traumatic experience awaken part of your brain or something that you you know you didn't have before or well i've i've come to learn that i have a dual lineage to mediumship and witches or sensitives my mother's mother's side who my grandmother lived with us she slept with me until i was like 11 Mm -hmm. Um, and she she didn't judge me she would listen and I felt like her energy was very protective. 
my mom and dad work kind of on their own page, but I would tell her things. And sometimes she would just like, listen and like, you know, I felt like she wouldn't collude with me and be like, yeah, you know, but she wouldn't tell me it wasn't real either. And I started to witness when I was older, um, her being like telepathic with her sisters, you know, back in the day, we used to have one phone in the kitchen on the wall. And if you wanted to use the phone, it was like, you had to make a trip there, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like four foot eight and older. So I'd see her like trudging across the kitchen floor to get to the phone. And I would say, you know, Graham, what are you doing? And she would say, um, you know, so-and-so is calling. And I'd be like, the phone isn't ringing, ring. And she'd pick it up and it would be her sister who she just said is calling. And I'd be like, what is going on here? And she did it That's all so the cool. time, <laughs> all the time. And it was not even like a weird thing. Mm. She just, it was just, you know, and she would have um, like a danger, dangerous situation, like precognition. Like if kids were outside playing, yeah. she would run out and tell them get out of the street like and you would see a kid like going for their ball and like here comes a car not looking you know she saved a bunch of kids lives that way how how wow. how do you explain the like the precognition like what do you think is happening there like that you're able to sense things before that they actually happen happen are you tapping into some sort of uh, timeline or? I think so. Collective I mean, consciousness or just or feeling some type of, of yeah, or still feeling some type of energy or. I'm, I'm super clear, clear audience and clear voyant more so than anything I would say. So that it comes to me in like a visual image and mm. more lately it's been the clear audience is picking up and I have some like shit your pants stories about that in the past year and a half. Um, we love stories. Yeah. I'll, I'll share. Remind me. Um, <laughs> but the, um, so most of, most of it comes through as clairvoyance. So I'll just, it's like watching a movie in my head and I do the Akashic records in an informal way. And that amplifies it even more like Edgar Casey style. Mm-hmm. And I would say that since I've been doing that since 1998-ish, 99, sorry, there's a helicopter or something overhead. Usually it's really quiet. Um, I've been able to see like a movie playing in my head. Sometimes there's sound and sometimes there's like feelings in my body. Um, But honestly, like it's, it really has been like breathing for me. I don't put all that much effort into developing it. I mean, by working with it and working with others, I feel like I'm developing it. And yes, I've had training, you know, formally, and I've been really drawn to doing that, but it hasn't been like work to develop it. It's just sort of like, like, you know, putting on a garment or zipping up a garment or, you know, it's very natural. Like people that have that ability to sing and they can just like, you know, maybe they've had some vocal coaching. You know, maybe they've had some, you know, breath work and sure they practice and they love to do it, you know, like as not me. So some people say to me, like, like some clients want to 
activate their psychic stuff. And it feels like some people are just finer tuned to it than others. You can practice it. You can work on it. You can, you know, maybe something's going to kick it in for you. But, um, you know, I'm never going to be a, a, a math professor. My gifts are not there. I'm not like an, an, any kind of musician. You know, I have just some things you're good at and have like a natural, um, you know, um, tendency to to be excelling at or have a natural gift or ability to. I, I know that I have lineage, like a blood connection to it on my dad's side. His mom and my aunt were both clairvoyant and mediums and did seances and stuff and also like herbal green witches. And then my mom's mother's side, all her aunties are all like strega energy from from Italy. And that that telepathy, claircognizance I was speaking about, they all have that too. So I I feel like there was a convergence of bloodlines within me. And then some near-death experiences kicked it in. And then that's really all that I've been kind of hyper fixated on is, you know, that's a big part of who I am and what I do and where my energy goes. I, uh, I have, so a lot of this sounds to me like, or I want to ask you your opinion on um, where you believe consciousness or your specific tuning to the consciousness that we have like after death that uh, that ability that energy that we have that electric energy that is us um you know and some ayahuasca ayahuasca i just just made that term up it's not a thing people i'm so sorry um shamanic uh teachings if i guess you could call them um kind of you know have the thoughts and the and the belief systems that the earth and this plane is you know the the kind of middle ground area where we come to you know work on specific goals or lessons that need to happen and I'm wondering, and we choose what like timeline we're going to, what life we're going to, what body, our parents, who our friends are going to be. And, um, and then you kind of like jump into that and then start from there, start from that storyline. And then you have this predetermined energetic situation, but then something about getting back here into the physical realm is then the work you have to do during this life to kind of like go down that energetic predetermined path that our souls already kind of made, or maybe for the bigger agenda or collective consciousness uh, end goal that is existence, I guess. Um, Anyways, I guess the question is, um, where do you, do you, do you believe in that type of shamanic believing or that belief system that, uh, the souls get to choose the body and the life beforehand in past lives? I think so. I mean, I can't say a hundred percent, but it all like in the magic eight ball, like all signs point to yes. Um, that's my best guess is that, I mean, I've seen things in my my visions and and asking questions about, um, you know, like for example, fr- um, friends and clients that want to have children. Um, a lot of times, their babies will talk to me before they're even in utero, 
sometimes they're in utero and sometimes they're just up in the the guff or whatever that you know the holding cell the holding place before we come into a body um before we skydive into the womb i guess um i've i've talked to quite a few souls and they seem to have chosen their mom and dad you know people that i'm doing the reading for um and sometimes they'll say to me you know like if it happens it happens like we would like this to happen but they're open too it's it's not it doesn't feel it feels like the carpet is unrolling as we walk and i had a really cool experience one time on a journey where i was walking up this hill and i had that image of like the the carpet you know like the magic carpet of life where the now moment is was unraveling because as we step everything is like and it's always unraveling and even if we're sitting still we're stepping you know that feeling of like we're co-creating it with our being I, I i feel like that i feel like it's it's not happening if we're not experiencing it it's happening in a different way then so we're as witness and experiencer you know we're participating in in consciousness if we weren't here, we'd be somewhere else. It would be different. So we affect things. I'm off on a tangent. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, do you think like uh, we have souls in like a waiting room or like like we're all waiting to incarnate a body somewhere or is I don't I don't think every all the all the souls are waiting to come to earth and come to a human body. I think that there's other options, but I have experienced seeing, um, or I don't even know if I'm seeing them. It's just, I'm hearing them, I guess, and feeling them. Um, when a client will pose like, will a baby come for me or will there, will I have a child sometimes? Um, and sometimes they don't even ask that I'm just doing a reading and all of a sudden I'll sense a soul there. And that like wants to be incarnated as their child. And I'll say, are you trying to have a baby? You know? And then sometimes they're like, yeah, I want one. Or um, I think I might be pregnant now, or I just lost one or something. There's usually some energy around it. So um, there's something to it. And again, like I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of put the puzzle pieces together because I don't have all the answers I'm shown you know, one facet of the diamond. Um, yeah. So I, I think that beautiful. If, if we weren't coming here, we'd come, we'd go somewhere else. I don't think that we just like are all like in a giant spaceship up in the fourth dimension or something waiting to, to take <laughs> a body. You know what I mean? I, I think like maybe we sign up for it and that's where we are and kind of see how it rolls out. And maybe we have, you know, other options too. So, one layer in the lasagna. Do you Just think one there layer are, in the lasagna? Do you think there are beings on other planets and also and also souls incarnate their bodies? Yes. Oh. Do you have any experiences with that or knowledge of that? 
Yes. And wait, sorry, before, yes. before, before, before you do go in on that, I uh, just want to uh, specify, are we talking about physical planets in outer conceptual space? Are we talking about interdimensional planets? Are, are we referencing like actual Jupiter or nebula and, you know, things like that? Or, uh, yeah. do, do, you, yeah, what, what is that? Cause planets, you know, and it's, it's, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah, it is. And I don't have all the specific details down myself. I'm still like spelunking for those answers too. Um, but again, similar to the, to the souls, I feel like um, what I have kind of gotten hits on is that there are, and maybe it's not Jupiter. I don't know. I don't really get a lot of um, like souls and life force on the planets in our solar system, honestly. But I have done like shamanic journeys with them and connected to the energies or the um, the beings, just like, you know, Earth has a consciousness that's like a collective, you mm-hmm. know, we're all on there. But, you know, they I don't, I, I'm I'm not like a Mother Earth person the way that they've revealed to me that they're actually more in a, in a male form energetically expressed right now moving into a more masculine gender and um it's not a like you wouldn't call it mother earth um but and but i feel that they're very fluid in their gender and sometimes they're expressing different ways um and they go through cycles but um like pleiadians no like the so and I want to encourage everyone to, you know, check in, check into this too. You can do meditations with the planetary beings, mm. you know, put yourself in a very like, um, and, you know, check out the woman who taught me how to do it. Her name is Elizabeth Kenimer. Um, you can message me. I'll, I'll hook you up with her Instagram. And I can't think of her, um, her handle right now, but she's lovely. And she taught me how to do this. And she's a mystic in her own right. And very beautiful, actually. And she encourages people to do this. So I would um, honor her by just saying, if you're interested in doing planetary meditations, message Elizabeth. Or message me and I'll hook you up with Elizabeth. But yeah, from my own experience, I want to say I don't want to like take her work, right? But from what um, I've experienced, the, the gender is fluid and you can connect with them as a planetary being. And it's very enlightening and full of in- insights by doing these meditations with them, shamanic journeys or meditations, whatever you want to call them. Um, but I've had some experiences with, you know, realms that feel like other planets. Um, I've experienced other beings from these, from these realms or from, from these dimensions or planets. I don't really know how to define them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. How do, how how would there, you define There's no definition really. Yeah, how would you define a realm too? Like what what is that? Like a inter interdimensional space or it's energetic I think like like vibrationally speaking. Like literal different like electricity energy, you know, like plasma energy, like cosmic energy field, you know. That's in my my mind. It it all has to do with, with like the transmuting energy, you know, 
field of sorts. I don't know. See, it's so hard to define. What? A, oh, goodness. Goodness. It's, it's so hard to define. Um, so, hmm. What, what was coming to mind was like, you know, like when you, you know, you, I'm not advocating or not advocating for psychedelics, but if you've ever done a sacred medicine, um, you get the sense that you're not really in this realm a hundred percent. Like you're here, but you're not here and you're heightened to a different vibration. Things feel, act and look different. The, the communication is different. And if you come across someone who isn't along for the ride, you can tell that their energy is like denser or different or not synced up in the same way. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Vibes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like not really a tangible way to like describe it, but it's it's just a, a a different vibration and just being tuned into like I mean I can't explain why you know Frequency I could see tuning. I could see the the spirits in my house and my parents couldn't yeah I don't know you know after I moved out funny story um, when I was I guess turning nineteen my mom and my dad and my grandmother all started having um, supernatural experiences in the house. Huh. I think it's I think it's unsu I think it's unnatural to not have supernatural experiences. By that I mean there's a reason that this is kept like more on the woo side of reality um through like you know our society as a whole because I think through society and enge- societal engineering of what what has happened through you know on earth here it's being controlled by a certain th- a certain entity that's keeping it at dulled vibration and you know occult in every ancient history and that we know of always had an occultic side of things and that was deepening consciousness figuring out the depths of consciousness and i think that even the most nefarious seeming um entities that control uh you know the societal simulation that's here um i think they they they're very in tune a lot of times with that or at least the knowledge that these these force fields exist in these different dimensional planes and i think that's the type of secrets that nasa and darpa and all these deep organizations are keeping from us and they keep us you know people like navier who you know probably you could probably get a job with darpa and like some of these like federal organizations because you're in tune to this they want they they, you're very important you know and i think for everybody and and in general you have a beautiful beautiful gift but you guys kind of get what i'm what i'm getting at here like um it's it's crazy you know Well, you know what I have to say about that is that I feel like you're right on the money with um, making it like a Hollywood joke Mm -hmm. and everything has to be scientifically proven or or not. But that's how I believe it is like I want to see the science. I want to see that it's truth because it's been, you know, the hypothesis has been worked out in a clinical way. But. I feel like the only people that lost their lost their belief in the magic is the is the people who are um, 
mm, how can I say this in a nice way? So magic didn't go anywhere. Supernatural, quote unquote, terms, um, just like the conspiracy theory term, it's all meant to sort of like negate and diminish who we are, what we know, what we experience. And it, we put it in the category of woo. We put it in the category of sci-fi or Hollywood or, you know, who knows what. But it's, it's, it's entertainment. It's on a TV. It's on a movie screen. It's not real. But I was living and experiencing it. I'm still living and experiencing it. I have things that are outside the physical realm. And I don't think that I'm that unusual. Maybe they're turned up really high. But I think this is part of the human experience. I think that's what Romy is saying, is that we all are already wired for this. So do you think that these abilities are are teachable or... Do, are some people just kind of more so born with it or have a, an ex- traumatic experience like you maybe that kind of awaken these abilities or is everybody able to just learn how to do this? I think probably all of the above. I know that most people that are, um, and, and this is throughout history too, most people who are quote unquote shamans or mystics have had some sort of near death experience or some sort of illness or some sort of, you know, um, something that kind of brought them to the edge of life and death or close to the veil. So that's pretty like standard that you'll hear. Um, so I do think that that does kind of amp those abilities and it could be destiny. It could be, just circumstance that, Hey, this is what happened. And now here you are. I also think that it's just like, you can have a propensity to be, you know, like, like I have a friend, he's a, like been playing violin since he was for his father, you know, as a musician and professor of music and, you know, all these beautiful musicians throughout his family. Right. Did he put the work in to train and practice? And yes, he's been playing since he was four, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he a it was in his environment. B, I think it's a gene that got passed down, and I think it's the same thing with me. Not that it was encouraged in my family, but I was around it, even though it was sort of like more cultural um, with my mother's mother. But um, I think you can train and and practice and open to it and work at it. But I don't know if everyone can be a medium in the way that I am or everyone can be a clairvoyant in the way that I am, but they have their own unique stuff that they can work on and develop to, you know, like maybe I'm never going to be, you know, Eric Clapton, but I could take lessons. I could give it a try. I could, you know, get a guitar and, and work at it every day. So you said that you're clairvoyant and clairaudient is clairaudient mean like, voices yeah and you gotta be careful with that because then that's a lot of people got locked up because they said that so uh, yeah but that is what it means yeah so that means you can see things you have visions you have audio you can tap into akashic records right you can use other tools like tarot and 
uh, Oracle cards and other things like that. Are there other tools that you have in your toolbox also that help you with your abilities or practice them? Does your diet inflict anything on it? Oh yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm completely gluten-free and I have been, Oh, maybe 12 years now, 10, 10 years at least. Um, I don't drink alcohol at all. I'm too sensitive for it. Like no judgment, but I just, I can't assimilate it now. I used to like, girl, I used to love me a little cocktail and champagne to celebrate something and a mojito. Nope. I get a three day long headache and I'm like instantly drunk from it. And it's just not a good feeling. It's, It's not good for me. So, um, I watch my sugar for sure. I was keto for a year and um, that seemed to really help. But yeah, I'm not 100% keto anymore by any means, but I still kind of watch algae? the... Do I what? Eat algae? Like blue-green algae? Yes. No, I don't because I'm a pitta and oh. I used to live at... Yeah, I used to live at a yoga center and they, they taught us some things about what's good One for the, the different three. doshas. Yeah, and if you're a fire dosha, you kind of have to watch how much, like, that's such like a nitrogen-rich, like a lot of energy. So it would probably yeah, yeah. give me give me eczema mm. too much. Oh, wow. Because it's it's a high Yeah. That's... yeah. So oh, that's a beautiful... But, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. It's okay. But I, I do eat, I just want to say I do eat um, other types of seaweed, but just not the blue green algae. So it's sort of like ocean life energy, but it's different. It's a little more mellow. Like, you know, um, I used to do some kombu and some kelp. I, has, I still have some kelp tablets, but um, I usually just eat like a rice wrap with like some nori. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's so important everybody to get more water-based types of like seaweed or algaes into your diet. Of course, if it does go within to one of your three doshas. And if you haven't uh, discovered your dosha yet, please do. Um, Because Ayurveda is the most type of spiritual and real medicine that I can vibe with and have found here. I mean, I mean, I guess... it's specific to that culture in that region and it's the oldest clinical studies and all that stuff. Anyways, uh, I just, it, algae's fresh in my mind because I've been doing a lot of reading on it. And so, uh, uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Uh, and, and letting me do an algae speech. Yes, it's good medicine. So, uh, so what were the tools, the other tools that you have access to? Yeah. So I just want to say also, like we, we mentioned the clairvoyant and the clairaudience, um, but I have a little bit of all of them. And those are just the, the two most pronounced ones. There's one, like there's one that matches all the senses. So all the physical senses have a clair, all the clairs, mm. a clair sentience. Um, there's gustance, which is taste. And it's almost always unpleasant just for the record. And uh, Claire 
oliphants, I want to say, but we call it clarisniffiants is <laughs> the smell one. <laughs> and that's a mixed bag. Sometimes I'll smell people's perfume. If I'm in a mini mediumship reading, I'll be like, why do I smell roses? Or why do I smell Chanel number five? Or, you know, be like, oh, that was my, what I'm so-and-so used to wear. Or they loved roses or hmm. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the taste one usually comes in um, if someone's ill, I'll get like a, and it's not pleasant, but I'll get a taste in my mouth and I can say, you know, like metal, I'll be like, are they, you know, they, they need to look into the heavy metal poisoning or, um, you know, I'll get a taste of like bile and I'm like, check out their, their digestive system. Mm. It's kind of like, like a little bit of that. And it's, it's rare and I'm glad because I always feel ill after and it's unpleasant, um, but I'm strong empath too. So I have to like watch crowds, which isn't so much of a problem these days, but used to be. Um, but the tools that I use to tap in, I feel like is also in a way helps to share my experience with the client. So if I have cards, I can show them like what I'm already kind of feeling, I could be like, look, this tells the, the picture and I can kind of break it down and explain it. And um, I tend to use card tarot cards that are very um, traditional to like the Rider Waite style. So they're, the symbolism is holding true versus a more like interpretive or like abstract kind of deck, which are beautiful and I like them, but I don't read with them, at least not for others. I do a lot of penduluming or dowsing and that really helps if I need to get like a yes or no or a timing. I use that a lot. I do work with runes and I do work with the OM staves with the Celtic tree alphabet and the rune runes would be like the elder Futhark, you know, Germanic Norse alphabet style. Hmm. Um, but those are more honestly more for me. What I primarily work with is um, the Akashic Records in a, in a formal prayer and the tarot, sometimes oracle, and the, the pendulums. And then I do astrology stuff. I do mind astrology or galactic mind astrology. And also I call it actual sky, but it's like sidereal. It's like what's going on right mm. now overhead versus the tropical stuff. Um, do you... That's that's a whole different like side of my brain that's engaged at that point. Yeah. Do you also like practice magic? Yeah. I mean, I've been working with, I would say, more of like an elemental style, working with like natural magic versus uh -huh. like ceremonial, although I've had my day in that. I feel more of like a hedge witch in a lot of ways where I'm kind of like a psychic witch where I'm working with um, like that, you know, mm, I don't want to say astral realm, but yeah, more of like visionary than even like doing physical magic. Yeah. But I, I do my fair amount of that. You know, uh, I was observing the wheel of the year for, you know, 30 years, um, the different Sabbaths, around the wheel um, of the year, like the solstices, equinoxes and such. Uh -huh. um, I observe the, the full moons and the new moons in my own way. I do like sound healing and 
um, ritual. I have a Patreon, so I do some things with and for them. And that kind of keeps me accountable in some ways, but I do have my own like private practice outside of that. But yeah, besides talking to spirits or people, do you ever talk to uh, plants or inanimate objects or animals? Yes. (laughs) Um, So there's this um, running joke my partner and I have where he'll sort of like walk by me um, engaged with, with a plant or a flower and I'll catch myself. Like I'll kind of come out of that moment with it and he'll look at me and I just do this. I go, ah, ah, like I'm snow white, like calling to the birds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we, we have this running joke because he always walks <laughs> walks by and I'm you know like I, I have this these two beautiful red rose bushes and um I baby them and they're right in the east and they catch all the beautiful morning light because they told me that's what they wanted and um I give them my coffee yeah. grounds and my eggshells and my banana peels and I'm you know just I'm I love them and I, I I'll like walk by and they're like we just bloomed new new roses don't forget to smell us and i'll be like oh you smell delicious and you know so i have this like flirtation with these with these red roses and yeah but i honestly i i try not to be too over the top because yeah but it is it is it's happening um i went to herbal medicine school and it was a um shout out to blue otter Woo woo! it's the, the best school in the world um, by Mount Shasta and it was plant spirit medicine, like energetic medicine. So it was like a shamanic program and it's an inter- intermediate. Um, I had to have two herbal mentors sign off that they mentored me before this school would even accept me, you know? So it was, it was quite, the, quite the, um, you know, beautiful adventure to move up there. And it was like a four month intensive. So you had to move there with all the money that you needed to sustain yourself with the tuition, you know, it was like, I was a year and a half of preparing before I could even go there. And it was really one of the best times in my life. And a lot of um, journeying with the plant spirits and learning how to communicate with the plant people and how to honor them and make medicine and work with them in a shamanic way. It was super. So do they, they also have consciousness. Could we come back? Could our soul incarnate a plant or an animal or an insect or? I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Have you ever talked to an ant? I haven't talked to an ant. (laughs) But But I honor them. But flowers. Plants plants and flowers and cats and dogs and... um, birds for sure coming off of ayahuasca i was communicating or i was and i wouldn't i wouldn't say i was talking to them they were talking to me i could understand what they were you know, i was eavesdropping on their conversations is better is a mm. more accurate way to explain that but yeah and and other things too um butterflies you, and dragonflies and you, oh really what did dragonflies say uh, i don't know if they're saying anything specifically but it's more of like just a communing 
understanding what they're saying. Mm. They're, they're, um, I just feel like a lot of compassion from them. I have a huge dragonfly on my chest. Here, I'll put my video on so you can see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was my first like big piece on my body. I designed it. I wanted to, wanted to be like stained glass. So. Yeah. That's cool. Mosaic. That's yeah. beautiful. So when you hold, do you ever get energy from objects that like, if you hold something, uh, do you pick up energy from it or anything? Can it speak to you like a rock or like a, a garment of clothing from somebody or like a psychometry? Sure. Um, I would say it varies. Um, sometimes I'll go into thrift stores. I miss thrift stores on the mainland because they had really good. Here's their thrift stores. Thrift stores are not good. Really? Mm-hmm. You got to search for them. But um, there were some things, some objects I didn't want to be around or purchase. Maybe like at first I was like, oh, it's beautiful. Then I was like, mm, don't want it. Because I could mm. feel the energy from whoever had it last time. I don't ever buy used shoes because it's just, you can't clear it. It's just there's so much that passes energetically through people's feet. Mm. Um, stampeded energy in the, in the old shoes. Yeah. I, I don't, I just, I buy like underwear and, and boots and shoes and flip flops and stuff. I'm always buying you. Yeah. Um, you talked about the doshas, the three doshas. I've never heard you heard that term before. Can you explain what the three doshas are? Yeah. And I'm not a Ayurvedic practitioner or, um, well, maybe Roman, you can help her with this, huh? I mean, I can, I can tell you the, the three doshas in a bit of what I know, and then Roman can by all means, please um, yeah. share I'm, what he I'm wants. Also, I'm, I'm also not an Ayurvedic practitioner by any means. Uh, very baseline knowledge and still understanding the vast world of Ayurveda. But uh, please, please, Navier, um, enlighten us. So there are three doshas, air, which is vata, pitta, which is fire, and then kapha, which is um, like water and earth combined. Mm. And then um, you have usually a primary dosha and then you can have a combination of the others. There are people who are called tridoshic and they're equal all three. And so it's like whatever your primary one is, um, it's like you have to work on balancing that. It can e- more easily get out of balance. So like I have to watch like my my constitution is um, it's like you have a body and like a personality or a temperament. So my, Mm -hmm. my body is more kapha, which is more like earth, um, earth water, but my personality is more pitta. So I have that, which is fire. So I have to watch like my, you know, um, like alcohol wouldn't be good for me. Blue green algae wouldn't be good for me you know, sugar, things that are going to make you hot, you have to watch for that. And then on an energetic, like emotional, you know, personality level, like watching the emotions, 
watching, you know, getting like depressed or getting like, I can't, I'm so tired. I do, I'm all wiped out adrenal fatigue because I'm so overtaxed. And now I'm like this big, heavy rock, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And like, you know, people who are like really, uh, I call it pitta derangement or um, (laughs) like they have that pitta derangement. Like they're so fire, like road rage, aggro, Mm -hmm. like popping off on people. You know, that's a way that pitta derangement or pitta excess can, you know, show up. Or like if people have like, like acne, ruddy skin or rosacea or eczema, like fire, you know, it's like, you just have to kind of look and that's how I think like, oh, this, you know, and then you have those like super wafy people that look like, you know, they're not in their body enough. They're kind of like checked out or they're maybe malnourished or not eating grounding foods. You know, it's not so much like that they're skinny, but their energy feels thin. I think that's Vata derangement. But this is all kind of through my filters. So what, what I see. So these this kind of like an elemental spirit within you. So the, but it also has a connection to the types of food that you're eating because it can affect uh, those that are negative and positive way that energy within your body, depending on your dosha. So like what yeah, Romy was saying, is. like, you know, he's like digging on the blue green algae, but for me, it would probably make me pitta deranged. Mm. So it's like not, I mean, one size doesn't fit all, you know, like no, no medicines is going to work the same for everyone. Yeah. No supplement, no food. Like some people can chow down on bread and they're golden. Me, I'm like bipolar and sick as a dog. Hmm. So, you know, but how, it, how do you I, figure out which dosha you're in? Or um, there's tests you can take. You can see a practitioner and they can do a test with you. This might be stuff online, you oh. know, with like limited accuracy, I'd imagine. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's Ayurvedic pr- practitioners that you can go see if you really want to follow up. And I, I want to, again, give a disclaimer that I am not an Ayurvedic practitioner. I just lived at a yoga center, you know, run by mm-hmm. um, devotees of an Indian, you know, guru. So I have some some familiarity with it. Awesome. I think usually the vata is like the skinny skinnier like naturally just very like fast metabolism skinny people and the pita is like kind of like your middle ground and then the kapha is kind of like you know like slow metabolism probably like you know bigger uh thicker build you know just naturally i think that's like that's an over arc kind of like a simple way but I, it's deeper than that because Ayurveda is as much as it is a physical practice it's energetic as well and you know it's it's a spiritual uh, system that works off of um, you know the cohesion of, of all things within the you know our atmosphere and, and everything that is outside you know is within right and there's connection points between all over the earth and our and all within our body and the, the connection and the cohesion of all of that. Um, and that's why it's an incredible system that, you know, is, is one of the oldest medical and uh, systems that we have that 
in the world that we've ever even known of. And it's so powerful. And when you start digging into it and, and start going by uh, some of those practices, your life can change a lot of people's have a lot of people's lives have changed and, and positive benefit so much by even just practicing just yoga, which is just one part of Ayurveda. Um, and it's, it's drastically, it's, you know, and so it's so beautiful. And, and I think that, I'll, um, I think that we need to do, you know, the work to spread the, spread it. And so, so many people can have access to the information as possible. Ayurveda. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. And, um, you know, it is, it's, it's food, it's herbs, it's diet. It, there's, I've had some Ayurvedic massage training and I've received yeah. some, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it it's yeah yoga and do you think do you think the eating stuff and uh what you're what you're putting in your body has a lot to do with um your pineal gland and how you're able to have like the clairvoyance that you have yeah i would i would say um avoiding things that have a lot of chemicals in them pesticides and chemicals like uh synthetic type of things like food coloring preservatives that's what i mean by chemicals or you know yeah. pesticides i definitely do better in a fairly clean diet and i w you know it's interesting because back in the 70s when i was born they didn't have adhd diagnoses they didn't have ritalin yet mm-hmm and I was super hyper as a kid. I had a lot of energy. And I went to dance. I was in competitive dance school for 10 years. And that was one of the ways that they were trying to like burn it off me. That's what my doctor prescribed, which yeah. I bless his heart for doing that. Um, and they kept me off of all he also said you know watch the preservatives watch the food chemicals watch the sugar intake which a okay mandela effect did you know that sugar doesn't white sugar and sugars don't give you um hyper energy i just recently saw that i was like yes huh. I, thought it, <laughs> I thought it did and now they're saying it doesn't because white bread is a as a hundred versus like you know, a snow cone is 50 or 60 and you've never heard of like a white bread rush, <laughs> you know, no, it's, no. yeah. Check out, check out. Um, I think it's all time scary on YouTube. He does them and he just did. Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> yeah. He has like four different channels. He's got a really nice voice too. Um, but he just did a Mandela effect on sugar and I was like, <laughs> Because I literally, my whole childhood was based on the fact that I couldn't have sugar because I was hyperactive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and then a lot of it has to do with like, uh, you know, the sugar industry. It isn't, a lot of it isn't just sugar, like the pure raw sugar cane. I mean, that is a, that's a, that is some deeply rooted uh medicine probably on its own culturally that i can't speak for but um like when i was doing a lot of fluoride research i was finding out that they were putting a lot of uh synthetic uh fluoride into sugar um at a certain time period 
because it was the theory was sugar rots your teeth, but fluoride doesn't. So, huh? What about putting them together? <laughs> like, you know, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's so wild. It's so, it's so wild. Yeah. We have some sugar cane growing here. Purple, purple, beautiful purple sugar cane that's growing all around our property that we planted. It's like a um, native, like one of the Hawaiian, um, I believe one of the Hawaiian canoe plants, but um, mm. yeah. So I, I hear you on that. Yes. And Romy, thank you because I actually went and bought some delicious anise flavored Dr. Bronner's natural toothpaste because of what I was, Ooh. because you were like fluoride this floor. I was like, yeah, why am I using Colgate? What am I doing? <laughs> what? I know better. <laughs> What am I doing? Because we bought a big six pack at Costco like two years ago and my partner uses it. And I was like, no, I am not like you can use it if you want, but I'm getting myself some anise flavored Dr. Bronner's. So thank you for that reminder. That's amazing. You are so welcome. And I'm so glad you switched. How do you feel after switching? I feel amazing. (sighs) I love it. It's delicious. And my teeth feel really good too. Awesome. Um, so I have glad, a question where we, we make a difference. <laughs> yes, oh, did. me too. I'm glad you listened. No, I feel like no one ever listens. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm floating alone in the ether kidding so much support from everybody. And I feel so much love and gratitude within existence. It's uh, absolutely beautiful, but I was going to ask, are we, um, and I'm getting a little giddy. And so I really want to ask, are, are we getting some readings today? Someone said that we might, and I didn't know if that was still happening or not. Ooh. Well, um, can you hear that? That little chime? No. Okay, good. Um, I have my tarot cards handy. Cause I just finished a session. So I would love to pull cards for you. I didn't do your mind because I don't think I ever got the birthdays. Oh, if you did, I spaced it. I'm sorry, but we can do that another time. Or, but um, I do have my cards. Okay, so Roman, um, I always do a little prayer to kick us off. So first name and birthday out loud when you're ready. Roman, October 25th, 1991. We align ourselves with the highest light and call upon the masters, teachers, guides, loved ones, and benevolent ancestors for Roman to be with us from whatever realm to say whatever they wish for the highest illumination on the path. We give thanks for this opportunity for healing with great love and ask that any energy that is not processed in the reading is processed after the reading for the most benevolent outcome. Thank you. Okay. So I'm shuffling and tell me when to stop. If you have a question, keep it in your mind. Stop. Ooh. Okay. Card. Before I could even do anything, this is where you opened to the Empress. (gasps) Yeah. So that's where it cut. And I kind of want to like honor that. Um, and I'll also look at the top card too. Ooh, King of Wands. King of Wands and the Empress. That's me. Crossed by the Ten of Pentacles. Eight of Wands. 
and the alchemist. Okay, let's let's stop there. That's a good that's a good little read read spread. Read spread read. Sometimes I have a hard time getting um, verbal <laughs> when I'm receiving information. <laughs> okay, so the hidden insight or the card that um, we cut at is the Empress, which is like really about for me a creative. Um, like embodying your own divine feminine, that like beautiful creatrix kind of like Leo meets Taurus vibe. It's like very Venetian, um, art, love, beauty, creating your like, um, creating your your best life, living your best life, and working on your um, your passion, like what brings you passion and joy and what makes you feel like mm, in your beauty what yeah so that's the card that wants to be focused on and then you have 10 of coins which is a beautiful card it's the highest amount of abundance that you can get crossed by the king of wands which to me is kind of like your entrepreneurial self it's your um, fiery passionate self. It can be like creative spiritual self. It's your fire, your your fire embodied. So, My kava or pita. Your your pita your pita, and he's he's saying go for it. And you also have the eight of wands, which is things are in motion. So it looks like you are going for it, and you are like holy shit, loosing your arrows, and things are in the works. Um, that's that's a, wild because they are and it is <laughs> and there's a fair amount of like you know the arrows are loosed but like where are they going to land are they all going to land on the mark is one going to land on the mark you got eight arrows so there's a little bit of like you know <laughs> but this tells me getting getting the alchemist as the final outcome mm. in the major arcana like punctuating it all it's saying like, don't leave anything to chance. Like, don't forget, you're a creator. You're a maker. You mm, can mm. you can focus the energy. Like, don't leave anything to fucking chance. The you controller know? of the dream and situation, the the lucid the lucid situation of the now. Yeah. It's like, well, happening. what what do you want to happen? Plant your intention and then guide steer you know, energetically like focus so that you can have the desired outcome. That's what I got to say. Boom shakalaka. I love it so much. Thank you. A lot of that actually was incredibly helpful for things that are happening in my life. And I'm gonna, I'm going to take that, uh, some of that sweet guidance and, uh, and, and use it to, uh, shine, uh, shine a little bit more light down the tunnel here. Yeah. I am full steam ahead. Thank you so much. I am seeing a sigil. So I'm, I'm going to close with that. A sigil. The sigil. A, I'm seeing a sigil and I don't, I'm not sure I could um, draw it for you, but I feel like it's not important that I know exactly what it is. It's more of like, you can maybe dump your intention or the parameters into a sigil. 
Wow. You got you got a sigil, Roman. I mean the the picture that's coming into my mind is like it's like a almost shaped like a J with like a couple dots over the top, but oh. I have no idea what that means or. <laughs> but like kind of like a yeah, there's a there's a, a horizontal on top of like a J with a, like three dots. There's you know more traditional ways of making a sigil. I can send you some links, or we can have a chat after if you want some some tips. I'm happy to share what I know. Oh yeah, yes please, yeah, I would love that. I know sigils are um, they're intuitive a lot of the time, right? They can be. There's no like right or wrong way, but there are more like traditional ways of creating sigils. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Excellent. That was fun. <laughs> um, Thank I you. Did, I did want to talk to you more about the astrology aspects um, and the astrology stuff that you do also. Um, but I really want to get into the Akashic Record stuff. When you access the Akashic Record, what kind of things are you able to pull from that? What kind of information is it giving you? Do you ha- is there tiers to the Akashic Record where only certain vibrations can get into certain spots is there guardians of the records is there a librarian or uh can you explain some of that um there are for sure keepers of or guardians of the records i guess i've experienced like doors shutting in my face if if we ask a question that is maybe inappropriate or not allowed Hmm. or they're unwilling to share. I just see like a go and it's like a double door. They're usually huge kind of metal doors. Sometimes they're wooden. They're, they, they're different. And, and that's who I petitioned to open the records. You know, we, we asked the keepers of the Akashic Hmm. records as, as part of the prayer. And we have to be reading the records of the person whose records they are. You know, some people are like, I want you to read my, my sister-in-law's records. And I was like, well, <laughs> is she going to be here with giving me permission? Because otherwise I can't do it. There are a few exceptions where I can do children's with their parents' permission, um, like, a, you know, under 18 kind of guardianship. But even that is, isn't always allowed. Um, yeah, it's like there's a moral code there, a privacy code at least you know for me so the universe has rules it's not completely free seems so especially around the information that's revealed in 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 this um in this forum are you able to ask it about like historical things like things in history or life type questions about our existence or is it only like personal things Mm, I love that you're asking that. I've never asked it these things. Um, I've always done it. I don't do my own. I don't really read for myself either. Yeah. Um, 
I have a few, you know, mystics here, friends that we trade um, sessions as needed. But um, I, I've, you know, I would love to do that sometime. Ask about historical things and, but it's still, yeah, I don't know, because usually it's like I'm opening the records of a person. Yeah. I wonder what that would be like to open the records of a country. Yeah. Or of or of like you know a, a year group or an in, a community or ooh a time a, a time, time period yeah ooh a chunk wow <gasps> yeah. intentional meditation situation ooh wow that's cool yeah Can, does i okay quick question does electrical inventions get in the way of tuning or tapping into things like a frequency block or something I don't know. Um, I'm able to do it on the phone and over over the internet and such. So that doesn't get in the way. But um, I don't know if I was like around like a big, you know, I, I don't even know, big battery <laughs> or something. Yeah. If, if it would yeah. feed. I don't know. Maybe. But you would think, right? Well, I'm not sure. Well, yeah. Well, also at the same time, you know, a lot of stories paranormal stories um energetic stories uh paranormally energetic or energetically paranormal what have you <laughs> interdimensional stories entity stories travel through and use electricity to communicate with us if we're not able to tune in to what they might be saying so the flickering of lights is a common mm, one or yeah. things shutting off or turning on so i'm like does it tap you in more you're able to tap into electronic devices or that kind of thing because obviously electricity works on a very high frequency level right and it's able to probably transmute through multiple you know mm. uh dimensional fields and so like for me it's it's always kind of it's kind of curious because i think i think plants and animal or you know the plant kingdom is transmutes a lot of uh, energy that way too they're kind of like conductors on a different um different field you know yeah i can see that um i'm not really sure i have it hasn't impeded me but i i totally understand that what you're saying and i feel like I've, I've seen, you know, lights flicker. Lights have flickered when I've gotten mad a few times. Oh, and, uh... <laughs> you're able to tap in. So you're saying that, like, uh, like you can tap into the Akashic records, like Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey famously said that there were, um, there was like a hidden library underneath the paw of the Sphinx. And that there was also two other hidden libraries. I forget the locations of them, but it, so that's what kind of what I was asking if you're able to tap into kind of that aspect of the Akashic record where you could like look and find like hidden information about certain things or certain spots or certain uh, hidden locations, maybe where something might've been before. Ooh, well, I I wouldn't say that I do the Akashic records like like Edgar Casey, but uh -huh. I I was trained by the people that trained in the ARE, like his oh, okay his association. Um, 
I don't really do medical intu- intuitive stuff like he did. Um, oh. I mean, occasionally it'll come through, but I wouldn't call myself a medical intuitive. Um, so when we were talking last time, I talked to you about Lemuria. Mm-hmm. And I I asked you if you could tap into that or if you could try. And uh, recently you said said you did try. Can you can you tell us like when you set your intention to that and meditated, what what happened? What came to your mind? Yeah, it was. Um, I was laying on. We have like a a lanai that's um, like east-west facing so I can get the sunrise and the sunset, um, at least the colors of the sunset because we're um, like blocked from really seeing the sun go down. But it was the sun was setting and it felt like a really good time to do that meditation. And when I was laying there, um, I was like trying to sun gaze a bit. And I was taken to like a golden realm. I did set the intention to connect with the Lemurians or Lemuria, um, but it was my first attempt. And I was shown a golden city, but it felt like it was connected to the setting sun or like that golden sun light. Um, Yeah, but I didn't get a whole lot of. I didn't get a whole lot of information and I would, I remember texting you saying like, it's not super juicy, but this is what I experienced. You know, I, I'm definitely someone who's like, if I don't know, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. And you know, it is what it is kind of thing. So I'm not going to embellish. But you said you saw like a city, right? Yeah. It looked like I was seeing a, a golden city, almost like a floating Island city. Okay. It's kind of what it looked like, but it but, was the the structure looked like it was golden light. So, so the structures themselves look like golden light. Yeah, like everything oh. was made of golden light. Was it like old, like ancient or new school or modern or mm, more modern looking, but also kind of like organic, like the the buildings were kind of like trees. Oh. They were like tall. Mm. Trying, oh, I love that. It's like, yes. It's, yes. but kind of, okay. You know what they look like? Like truffula trees. So they okay. had sort of like this, you know, disc planted root system. Yeah. And then a tall trunk. And then um, kind of like a roundy bulby, but like misshapen round kind of like a chunky like like how truffula trees and dr seuss's stories kind of look like okay that. i i was wondering if they were you were referencing seuss there yeah but i was like oh no this might be a it might be a, a tree but <laughs> no okay cool oh, no. yes no, no those trees yes 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 like a yeah. like cotton candy almost honestly uh, uh, yeah i'm cotton candy in the cotton candy land yeah, I just looked up true philatry. Um uh, so that's really interesting. Uh it'd be really cool if you uh maybe tried to do some more and with the Lumeria stuff and see if maybe there's a connection with Lumeria and Hawaii and the islands yeah. specific. And uh maybe we can talk about that on another 
another show later down the road. Um, I love that. But also, I wanted to get into the side reel astrology and the modern type of astrology that we do and uh, the differences between them and why why one works and why one doesn't work and kind of get into that a little bit. Okay. Well, I feel like all of my life, since I was a little kid, I was interested in astrology in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew what the sun signs were of all the kids in my grammar school class. I still remember. I just have like a weird um, memory for stuff like that. And my father's uh, niece, my first cousin, was an old school astrologer. And she did my chart when I was a kid and I just remembered it, you know, and I would always associate different things about my chart with my personality and explain that in my, in my mind, oh, that's because I'm a Sagittarius moon, you know, mm-hmm. um, and was always paying attention to like what was going on, like what full moon was happening and then when I got into paganism and witchcraft and stuff, that was even more so. It was kind of like the, you know, um, like a lot of witches are paying attention to astrology because we're tuned into the cycles of the moon and the sun and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. if you're doing high magic, you're paying attention to like days of the week and, you know, you can get like real into astrology with, with ritual and stuff. And um, at some point... I think I was a senior in high school. I actually went and took astrology classes like at a community college and, you know, learned a lot of the more like formal background of it and how to work a chart and stuff. So I've been doing this a long time and it never occurred to me that what was going on in the sky above us wasn't matching up to the astrology that we're all being told. Like the tropical astrology is what it's called. Yeah. And I knew that that there was a quote unquote sidereal astrology, but I associated it with the um, Jyotish or the Hindu slash Indian Ayurvedic. Like they all tune into the Jyotish, the um, sidereal astrology. And it's a different, it's not a wheel chart. It's a square and there's different like, squares within a square and it just is really complicated to me i've looked into it so i just kind of associated with that i didn't look that much into it i just thought to myself it's more real time but i didn't think that tropical was that far off so that's kind of where i got derailed um Mm -hmm. so about a year and a half ago i got a sky app on my phone and i could look at the what you know what planet was doing what and what sign and you can just like it's in real time you turn your app on and you look up at the sky with it and it shows you what that bright star is and you know so I was getting really into that and I follow a lot of astrologers on different apps and things and everyone was saying you know it's um you know sun in this and sun in that and moon in that and then I would look at my star up and I'd be like no it's not why does it why is it saying that and I would look again and everyone's like oh it's full moon in Virgo la 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 and I'd look up at the moon and I'm like no 
it's in the lion. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it, you know, and, you know, then I kind of put it all away. I wasn't paying attention to any astrology because I just was like, no, I don't even want to know about this. I'm so confused, you know? And then, um, I started getting this, like, sometimes my guides or ancestors or whoever's talking to me will say things like in one sentence, I kept hearing, look up at the sky, look up at the sky, look up at the sky until I did. And then I started paying attention and be like, you know what? I think tropical astrology has been lying to me because this is not at all what's going on in the sky. And so I started to speak out about it. And um, I started to pay more attention to other people's sidereal charts or actual sky charts. And um, I posted on my Facebook, like the, the, you know, chart that's the, um, you know, the dates that would tell you according to the actual sky, the sidereal charts of what your horoscope, what your um, zodiac sign is, what your sun sign is. And um, I got so much blowback from people and they were like, no, I'm, you know, I'm a Leo. You're never going to tell me I'm not a Leo. And there was four people that were Leo women and much love to them. But I'm just going to use this as, a, as an example. There are four people that were Leo women that were like, no way. I'm not a, I'm not a cancer. I'm a Leo. Like there's no way you're going to convince me that I'm not a Leo. I'm a, I'm not a cancer. No way. And I was like, well, the sun was in the constellation of cancer when you were born. So if that doesn't make you a cancer, then I don't know what does mm -hmm. because that's what it is. And they're like, in my mind, I saw them like holding up their paper chart saying, no, this says I'm a Leo. Well, this piece of paper is telling you that, but those charts were cast in the year zero AD by the people who knew how to chart the skies and they just kept using them. It's like an antiquated version of what the sky looked like. It's not this, everything is moved. There's a 23 degree ish um, procession. So we're, everything is moved. How many, but does that mean that the actual uh, definitions or meanings behind the symbology behind those constellations change at all? I don't think or so. No, no, it doesn't. Okay. I thought mm -hmm. maybe there was some like misconstrued um, definitions going on with that collusion of confusion. Is there a the different sky clock? Is there different zodiacal signs in the side reel? Well, there's. Um, 13 constellations. Ophucus. Yeah, there's 13 constellations that the sun travels through now instead of the, the 12. So mm. I do count Ophucus as a 13th sun sign because the sun passes through it. And that's what that means. So if you're born while the sun is in, Ophi in the constellation of Ophucus, then you're sun sign Ophucus. Like, why, do, why aren't we, you know, being truthful with what the sky is doing? And there's yeah. actually, I think, 22 different constellations all together now that the different um, planetary bodies move through. 22. The moon has, I think, 14. Yeah. 14? 
I think so. 13 or 14. But I don't have software that can track it for me. Yeah. And I don't know where to find it. So I'm using like free apps that use a 13th um, sun. Oh. That it, But I know that the moon goes from Pisces down into Cetus, back to Pisces, back to Cetus, then to Aries. But in the app, I, in the um, software that I can use free online, they don't acknowledge that. But it is. But it's yeah. like, I know, I'm looking for an app developer. Contact me. Oh, <laughs> uh, you read my mind. Is, How did you this do that? My friend, Nate Fowler. This is, this is out of website. my wheelhouse. I was just yes. about to ask you if you've ever thought about developing your own app. And you answered my question before I, I even have. said it. I have. And I've, <laughs> I've been, that's been in, like in my secret heart for almost a year now because I feel like, People want to learn this, want to know, and they don't want to use an old, outdated system. It's like once you see this, you can't unsee this. Mm. You just can't unsee yeah. this. Yeah. And, you know, like, why are we saying that the sun is in Virgo right now? It's in Leo. Look up at the sky. It's in Leo. Well, is one, are they both, do they both go by the sun, What where the sun is at, or does one go by the astrological sign of the moon? Well, all the, all the planetary bodies travel through different constellations. Yeah. So they all have their own placements. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But so if, if someone is saying that the moon is in Leo, mm-hmm. right. And they're pointing to a piece of paper on a chart, but then you look up at the sky and you can see the constellation is not the same as what they're saying. Mm. Like what kind of upside down world is that? Yeah. So it's like, okay, tropical astrology is a system. And I think at one point tropical astrology was sidereal astrology and then everything started to move and now we're off. So let's like get, how many degrees did you say we're off? Twenty three. Holy shit, that's the axis, isn't it? That we yeah. sit on? That would have to do with the reason that the moon yeah. that we were talking about earlier from the shift of the golden age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Insert Inter- box saga. Fucking resting. Inter- insert box saga. Insert Ragnarok. Insert <laughs> shift from the golden age into the shit. That would make sense why the Astrology has changed and shifted 23 degrees. Yeah. Holy fuck. Because it's not the astrology of the golden age anymore. It's astrology of the tilted age. We're all on tilt. Hey, she should get in on the box saga monthlies. What is that? What's that? It looks like gold. It's actually um, a Lemurian Ethereum gold Andara crystal that I brought out just for our date today. Oh, yeah? Lemurian gold? Where did you find that at? Um, That, The crystal shop in Pune? (laughs) Oh, shit. She cut out. Yeah. Uh, Too heavy of energy. That Lemurian crystal. Lemurian gold. (laughs) Too much energy, man. It said, nah, bruh. Oh, brah. Oh, no way. But they're like monoatomic. Um, oh, she's back. Yes. 
you cut out for uh you, you cut stopped. out for that entire yeah the yeah, entire entire description a minute. <laughs> maybe it wasn't meant to be <laughs> it was not in fact yeah that was divine timing if ever i've ever experienced it which leads me into they, another they question before uh we may get you know off track or whatever but have you ever experienced you know when you do your work which is very 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 much based on your highly attuned intuition hey boys sorry hold on one sec my dog they're all grout. Could you guys hear them ruffling in the back? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. One's one's a big pitbull shepherd. The other one's a, a little baby. It's so funny. Anyways, um, what is a recent synchronicity or at any point in uh, a, a location and a story that happened strictly from you following your intuition and being like, I'm going to go to this place. I don't know why I'm going there, but I feel called to go there. So let me do so. And, um, you know, just kind of like a fun story that may have come from an experience like that. Oh, my gosh. I have so many from from my life, but I can't think of one recently because I've just been kind of here. Um, hmm. oh and it gosh, doesn't have so to many. be like a new geographical location, but could even be a place you've been living for a while. And like you decide to go to this one place that you haven't been to in a while or you haven't gone to or you go all the time but you it's just something something cool I, I, you know fun story just to get to know you a little bit more yeah <laughs> i can um i have one that has to do with um yeah i have one else I'll, I'll share um so this is going back a while and um i was living on hawaii years ago and thought I might need to leave and travel on. And I was leaving a sacred. Cut out. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, did everybody cut out or is it just. Yeah. Can't hear you talking anymore. My finger, my thumb out and like a car right away pulled over. And it was an older Hawaiian man. And he leaned out the window and he said, you called for me. And he was just like luminous. (laughs) And I was like, yes, I guess I did. And he was like, okay, we'll get in. And um, I got in the car and he said, they call me Makua. And that means grandfather. And so you, you need to know who you are and where you're going. Wow. Yeah. And then he just like unloaded all this download on me and he dropped me off in town. And as I was walking away from the car, I was thinking to myself, was he even real? Like, was he even real? And I turned and his car was gone. And I thought, I don't even know if that was real. (laughs) I can say, okay, I've had a couple experiences like that on the island with um, some local aunties, like one auntie specifically I was randomly visiting a coffee farm, uh, like just trying to sell some beans that we had harvested. And it was just in, it, like an all local owned roaster, right? They was like, they buy the cherry bean and you can just, you know, go sell them like however many pounds of cherry. And yeah, like 
this lady just like stopped me in my tracks and kind of just like looked me in the eyes and told me some really deep, like downloadable information. And I was just like, what just happened? And left the farm feeling like I don't even real know if that was a real experience or not. That was so like yeah. I, that, that place, the big Island specifically from my experience and stories that I've heard, um, has, it's a very strong magnetic, uh, you know, like downloadable, receivable place. It's a very, very, very special place on this planet. Uh, yeah. And a, and a portal for sure. There, there's more to the story that I would love to share. Um, so I left the island and honestly thought he was like a vision or some weird interdimensional guide for me. And um, I came back to live here. In 2015, I was taking hula and we had a guest student. And I really am very respectful. I don't walk up to people and be like, oh, I have this, you know, about you. Or like, if I can all help it, I, you know, veil myself and don't intrude on other people's energy. Like, if they're coming to me for a reading, cross my palm with silver and we're doing it. You know, that's the deal. I know that not everyone has that sort of boundary, but I really do and have cultivated it. So when it starts getting really loud, like tell this person this, and I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want to walk up to this person. I don't know. And start giving them, you know, so I, I approached her and I said, you know, I apologize, but I'm um, getting this message for you. I'm a clairvoyant and I'm just going to tell you, and this is what I'm hearing. And so I told her and, you know, it made sense. She had this whole story behind it and she's crying and hugging me. And we set out the rest of the um, hula lesson and um, it was really meaningful for her and me. And um, a couple of years goes by and I'm at a consignment shop, a different part of the island. And there's a woman behind the desk and, you know, I'm, super chatty so i'm like bip, 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 talking to this person and um i come across this painting it's like a lifelike painting of the man that gave me the the hitchhike what, what? yes it's Did him buy it? well i held it up and i'm like oh my gosh i said i know this man he he gave me a ride in 2002 and I look at the back and it says his name. And I'm just like, and she said, I painted that. And I said, you painted this? And she said, yes, he's come to me in dreams. He's a Hawaiian elder, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. And then she says, I know That's you. I know you. She said, you did hula at la la la. And I said, oh my God, it was the woman I had the download for. Now we're like an hour away. She's working at this consignment shop. She painted this image of this guy. It was like, what the fuck? And there's there's one other part in this. So I go to the warm pond, which is now under lava. Right, I could cry. Well, I I know red route. I go to the warm pond, and I meet this guy. You know, I used to meet a lot of people in the warm pond, like um, best friends were made in the warm pond. 
and um, floating there talking. And, you know, bip, 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 we have all this in common. And he's like, come out to my car with me. I want to give you a book. And it's this book called The Bowl of Light. And on the back cover is this man again. <laughs> and it's a book what about him. It's a about book him? about about him. Wow. That is so wild. So yeah. did you read the book? Oh, yeah. And and yes. What did you find out about this? Man? I found I found out his name is Hale. Um, see, Hale Aloha. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Shoots. Hale Aloha Makua. Okay. But he told me Makua. Um, and according to this book, his lineage would have put him in line to be the king of the Hawaiian Islands. If they still had the, you know, mm-hmm. royal families happening, taking rulership or whatever, but he had a royal lineage and he was a kahuna. He was a full on shaman, Hawaiian style uh, mystic. And since then, I've met other people who he's come to in dreams and have guided them to do different things like high works. Wow. So he's is that shout you, out to him. Is that what you call like a? A mystic or a shaman in Hawaiian is a kahuna. Kahuna is like a, a the royalty. Oh, no, that's ali'i. Ali'i, yeah. There are alihi kahuna. I guess he would be an alihi kahuna, um, or you know, was is, ever shall be. Um, but yeah, a kahuna is like a a shaman, a medicine person, a seer, a mystic, all the above. As far as I'm, I'm no, I'm no expert, but. To my knowledge, that's what they call them. Kahuna. It's like a, a and it's a, a huna is huna is like a the, the spiritual magic or religion, magical religion way. What's ka? Ka is like spirit. Yeah. And and um, so like you've heard of the the menahunis. Yes, oh, the, oh, we should, we should try to get a Menahune story uh, or or Hawaii paranormal story for the October month. That'd be I so cool. Could, <laughs> oh yes, all right. Maybe save it. We'll get you on again. And uh, well, is this episode going to come out in October? Probably. Um, or are we going to put it out right at the this end? Month probably towards the end of this month. Should we do another one? Maybe get. Do you have another a Hawaii friend that could uh, come on and share some cool stories? I could put the feelers out for sure. <gasps> yeah, let's uh, let's 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 set that up right now. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Lemuria. Your uh, contact information with Lemuria. Maybe do do two or three more or something by uh, towards the end of October. Maybe find somebody to get on to talk to us about some some kind of um, creepy interesting fun stories though you know uh very mystical and spiritual uh because that last one you told me actually did give me the chills uh and i love that it's, but it was good though it wasn't like i was afraid i was like oh that's so awesome it, it gives you like a nice warm feeling inside so uh yeah let's let's do that because that'd be so great for october yeah, yeah. i love that and i have i have one really scary one and one um, 
sort of scary. They're both kind of scary. Yeah, you say save them, save them. We'll do them. We'll do I them will. then. That's great. Yeah, that's that would be so much fun. Uh, I I actually was in Hawaii uh, when I was younger, obviously, and uh, with my friend. And uh, one of the books that I bought there was uh, like scary stories of Hawaii. And when I was reading the scary stories in the book, I realized that I had actually been in some of the same places mm-hmm. that the book was talking about. And uh, I have a a story, too, about uh, when we camped out on uh, South Point um, on the Big Island. Uh, and South Point camped, is loaded, yo. And we camped between a, a Pua Ali right next to the ocean. There was like a there was an altar. Uh, they call it a Pua Ali, and uh, it was a pretty pretty crazy night. But I'll I'll save that whole story for for that episode too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fun. My cat's name is Pua. Pua Kini oh. <laughs> Awesome. Um, yeah. So then, uh, before we close out here, I I wanted to get uh, one more story out of you, and you talked about the Mayan astrology chart. I wanted to know a little bit more about the Mayan astrology chart because I've never really heard of that before, and I want to know um, how you, the story like behind how you were able to learn about it. Um, I think when we're on your show, you told me the story about how when you went to Hawaii, you met a person. So I wanted to uh, talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, So I was very nomadic at this time. I had been in an abusive relationship and um, was separated, divorced, and moving on with my life. And after a year of living in Chicago, I packed my little Volkswagen bug and was going to be vending at pagan festivals. And um, so from like April until I guess October, I was on the circuit, just sort of like letting the wind take me ended up going to like rainbow gatherings and Burning Man and ended up on the West coast. And it was super fun. And a lot of people were asking me what my Mayan astrology was in this window of time. I had never heard of it before. And um, I also had gone to Hartwood. I guess this was the first time I had ever heard of it. I went to Hartwood Institute to learn cranial sacral therapy, my uh, first training. And that was the first time anyone ever said to me, what's your mind astrology? And I found out there what I was. There was like an online site, but I was like, what does this mean? And people were like, we don't really know, but it's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was intrigued and then I, it kept coming up and people were mentioning it more and more. And I kept feeling like I was being led to, you know, find a teacher and study. Um, and I started to plan that I was going to go to Central America and Mexico. Maybe, I don't know. I was trying to get to like Mayan country so I could learn more about it and see the runes and, ruins and you know I I was just kind of flailing I really didn't know and have a direction you know the internet wasn't what it is now as far as like what there was really nothing on nothing on there about it um and I couldn't really find a lot of books so 
I thought I was going south. I ended up getting rerouted to Hawaii because I found a message board that someone said, um, first of all, I was at a peace rally and these people I met, let me, I was living in my car, camping in my car, going to, you know, place to place. And these people said, you could stay with us. And this woman also was an, um, an outward bound instructor and a psychotherapist. So she was helping me like make my backpack and also unpacking my head, you know? And, um, she said, you know, I'm watching you trying to make Mexico and Central America happen, but it's not happening. And I was like, it's not happening. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm supposed to learn Mayan stuff. I know that, but like, why am I not? It's not flowing. And she said, stop. Where would you go if you can go anywhere in the world? And I, she went, don't think, just say it. And I went, why? And she said, go to Hawaii. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And I started looking online for like woofing or opportunities. And there was a message board with someone that said, you know, free camping land to rainbow family, blah, blah, blah. And like immediately uh-huh. my car sold, everything happened. And four days later, I was on the big island in this man, stranger's truck heading up to his land. And he was talking about the volcano. And I was like, there's a volcano here. And he was like, there's five volcanoes here. Three are active. Like, did you not realize what you were coming to? And I'm like, no, I've done no research. Like four days ago, I didn't even know I was coming here. (laughs) And I didn't even know that, you know, Hawaii had all these different islands. I didn't know anything about Hawaii. It was very like just picked up and dropped off and when I got to the land, this little um, woman comes up to me and she says, Aloha, um, what is your Mayan astrology? <laughs> and I said, I'm a red overtone moon, but I don't know what that means, but I want to know. And she said, oh, I've been calling for you. It's okay. You are here now and I will teach you everything I know. And wow. Then, yeah. And I was... Um, you know, sort of camping, dry camping next to her. She had a, like a, um, like a playhouse hut thing that she had built. And next to it was all this jungle. And then I lived in like a clearing area with a uh, hammock and a green, a net. And, um, every morning she would bang a gong and I would walk over and she would tell me what the you know, astrology of the day was. She's like, today is a white magnetic mirror day. We will go see my friend so-and-so. They are a magnetic mirror. We will, you know, tune into their energy. And we'd go to her friend's house and I'd feel the white magnetic mirror energy from this person and from the day. And then we did this for months, you know, different people. Oh, so-and-so is a, is a blue night. Today is a blue night. Let's go see so-and-so. And we just, you know, experience the calendar lifelike, you know. And at one point she just said to me, you know, here's the chart. And it was the Zulkin um, with a decoder on the back. And she said, here's the chart, go to the beach and make some friends. And then I would just go to the beach and sit there with my chart and just like, you know, lay, lay around and look at it and ask it to teach me stuff. And it would every time. And then people would be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, this is a Zulkin. Do you know what your mind astrology is? No, tell me. And I'd make all these friends and people would come and I would 
decode them and tell them about their charts and their, you know. So it was very like organic how I got acquainted with the energies and, um, you know, very interact. It wasn't like so much of a mental thing. It was more of an energetic experiential, which is more how I learn anyway. And yeah, so that's how I found my astrology. It's, it's galactic astrology. So it's different than it's not based on stars. It's based on like, they map the frequencies coming from the galactic center to my knowledge. Hmm. The galactic and center of the, of the universe of or the solar galaxy. system or the ga- galaxy, the Milky way. Okay. And it's very mathematical. It does, you know, there's cycles within cycles, within cycles, within cycles. And it's, it's a lot of numbers and math. And I actually have something called dyscalculia where space time and um, space time and numbers are, it's kind of like a dyslexia with space time and numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that I can grasp this because I, I know people who are like math majors and they're like, what? Yeah. I'm space time like, and numbers illiterate. Yeah, you um, probably have dyscalculia. Yeah, <laughs> probably do. I, I definitely can, do. I saw, can you read a map? I, yeah, I can read a map really good. My directions are great. I'm spatially challenged. I'm still doing this to tell left or right. Oh yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. She was holding up her her. Yeah. Loser. <laughs> Not a loser. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could choose uh, for this moment now, one of the three states of matter to exist in, liquid, gas, or solid, what would you choose? Mm. You're going to say plasma. Plasma. Oh, yeah. that oh shit, option. damn it. That's the, that's the fourth matter. She no. totally, she totally jumped you. She totally said, "I, I, I ain't playing your game. I'm going one higher." You got She's her like, plasma. <laughs> <laughs> You've got plasma. Um, swimming in it. Yeah, probably water. I go. Plasma water is there. the juice. Plasma is the juice. Water. Yeah, somebody told be pretty me. Cool. I forget who told me, but they said, "Imagine all the water on the earth." And then Imagine it. realize that every drop of that water on the earth has been here for the existence of the earth. Yeah. So the water on the planet is as old as time. Time is water, liquid. Do we have time for one more um, crap your pants story? I mean, yeah, we we have time. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. Um. She uh, muted herself. Here's the story. Boop. I'm trans <laughs> transmuted. I'm blooping out. <laughs> Sorry. So, like probably many of us, we have um you know, maybe some issues sleeping sometimes like I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I'll wake up and I will not be able to fall back asleep. So I'll do like a little podcast. Mm 
yeah. put myself back to sleep. Sometimes it's you guys. And um, <laughs> yeah, we some... put you to sleep often. No, for real. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't mean it in a salty way. Sometimes, you know, I just put on a podcast and it helps me to relax to fall asleep. Not because you're boring. <laughs> you are not boring. Stop. Um, Stop. It's no, it's funny. It's... Go ahead. Stop. <laughs> um, so this one night it was um, the higher side chats. Like love that, oh, yeah. you know, it's great podcast. <gasps> right? Oh my gosh, I love where going. So I don't know. I've listened to a lot of them. <laughs> so I just was kind of like scrolling, 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 and didn't really pay much attention to the one I landed on. And um, it had Jeff Buckley in the title. So I was like, okay, yeah, oh. I, don't know much, I don't know much about Jeff Buckley, but this sounds great. So put an earbud in and put the timer on and thought, here I go. I'm fall back to sleep. And um, it ended up being this like intricate woven story about the cockatoo twins, which I don't know anything about either. Um, and how she covered a song that his dad did and um, how she wrote and uh, just go listen to the whole um episode y'all but um anyway she was like the, the guy was positing that this singer was like channeling a siren in one of the albums and and could have could have um allegedly brought like an evil mermaid yeah. energy you mean oh yeah that it, it could have like brought jeff buckley to his demise because he did die in a river and a lot of synchronicity in her album that she wrote, like kind of played out how he died, all this stuff. Anyway, but I'm listening to this and this is what I hear in my head. Could you, could you hear that? Yeah. That's what it sounds like in my head. Freaking siren splashing. Oh my goodness, ready for you. Ready to get you. I don't know. I don't know what it was doing, but it was doing it. And that was the first. That was scary. It was so scary. Liquid. <laughs> so when you ask what state of water do I what state do I want to be in? And I'm like, water, but mm. that that was uh that was, Chris Knowles episode, I believe. That makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, he always talks about the siren, and uh, I remember him talking about the Cuckatoo Brothers or whatever you call it. Some weird rap uh, music video on MTV. He also talked about this other music video and how a lot of these things are kind of, inter- I think it was 99 Balloons or something, how a lot of these things are all connected in with like this siren motif and Starbucks to being the siren and uh, he, mm. he he gets into a lot of uh, weird synchro mystic stuff. Synchro mystic. Um, yeah, Chris Knowles is cool. He's got a lot of occultic breakdown. I love I love his work. So I'm just gonna say if anyone is inspired to listen to that episode because of me talking about this, and even if you're not, um, please shield yourself before you listen oh. because there is a lot of something going on with that so okay just 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 do a little shield something 
to protect yourself because I mean, if I tapped into it, it it's there to be tapped into. So, yeah. yeah. What's your favorite um, uh, little uh, uh, style to do that? Like just like a, a, a thought process or, or what type of uh, protection do you put on yourself before going into a situation, you know, you need to put protection on yourself. The, the one that I teach folks, especially the ones that um, clients that have children that are sensitive, um, I t- just do the bubbles up, just like boop. I I'm I'm a Star Trek person. I love Star Trek, <laughs> and um, I imagine that I hit my little, um, you know, brrr, shields to maximum, and it <laughs> goes up in a bubble. That's my visual. So, if the Star Trek, you know. Um, imagery works for you imagine like you're hitting your little um what's it called a tricorder and and you're hailing picard hailing the bridge (laughs) you know i actually had someone once i was doing that and i went shields to maximum and then i joked around and i said (laughs) um i said wharf to bridge and they were like wharf never hailed the bridge and i was like what oh geez and they were like wharf never hailed the bridge in Star Trek, the next generation and like ripped me a new one because I misspoke. I was like, okay, sorry. (laughs) I would like to say, put your shields up before you go on Instagram to people. Oh, goodness. Or or TikTok. (laughs) I'm on the top. Oh, Oh. Oh what you talking about? Yeah. I'm on the ticket to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Any social media. I'm just. How about just live in your bubbles, people? Just especially in yeah, these times, just, like just keep the bubbles God. up. Uh, that the universe has been kicking me off of social media, uh, <laughs> so they're like basically making me exist with yeah, it. You <laughs> just told me. You just told me to give you my cash app information again today. Wow. Yeah, yeah I got that hacked. message too. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah, I've been hacked. I've been hacked. Uh, <laughs> so that's just how it is. Um, been hacked. All right. Well, thank you, Navier. That was really good, man. That was fun. Uh, I enjoy your stories. They're so, so good. You have such a different, you know, kind of take on the world and viewpoint uh, from some of us normie people that don't get to contact to the other side and have these visions and everything. I do have some, you know, deja vu things happen to me once in a while. And sometimes I kind of foresee futures. I don't know how I do it or whatnot, but they just happen to me randomly. And uh, I don't, I'm not really sure what it is. Maybe I can, maybe there's ways for me to tap into that more. So that I can actually use it to my benefit, but I don't know. I, I know I was in a gym shop recently, and the lady standing that owns the gym shop, she was like, she started backing away from me, and I was like, "What? What are you? What's going on?" And she's like, "I I have to stand away from you because I'm an empath, and your energy is too strong for me to be near." And I was like, "Really?" I was like, "What? Like?" what is my energy? And she's like, there's, there's just a lot going on in your head. I, there's just so much going on. It's a very strong mind power. Uh, and I was like, Oh, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Wow. 
Yeah. So I stand over there. It's not because of COVID. It's because of your brain. Oh, Navier, you're crackling. Snap, crackle, pop. You sound like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Is that better? Yeah. Plug Roman. your plug your info, Navier. Plug your plug your um podcast and where you want people to contact you for any of your work and and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Will do. Okay, so I have a podcast that these two wonderful fellows were on. Um, it's called a Wandering Witch Podcast, and it's only on Spotify. The first season is available other places, or most of the first season. But then I started using musical um, clips. Did you guys like your clips? Yeah, I put your clips. Um, so I yeah, it's thank only, you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. It was fun um, exploring new music too. I love it. Yeah, so it's on Spotify. I'm about to go into the third season soon, which has been really fun. I'm doing it all from my phone off grid, which has its own set of challenges, but I'm doing it and I love it and it's super fun. I have um, an Etsy shop. It's um, all these links you can find in my link tree and it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash A wandering witch. And you can find my Etsy shop uh, where I have all of my clairvoyant readings, Akashic record readings, uh, Reiki sound healing distant um, sessions, and Mayan astrology charts, relationship readings, and also the actual sky slash sidereal charts that I do. I have social media. Instagram is a double underscore wandering double underscore witch. And there's also a podcast one. And I'm on Facebook and TikTok, but not so much um, on TikTok, like making content. It's more fun <laughs> and rabbit holes. But um, yeah, everything's on the link tree and you can find me that way. Excellent. Thank you very much, Navier. Thank you for having me, guys. Total pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for the reading and your time today. You're welcome. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. All right, peoples, you heard it here first. Go check out her stuff. Uh, go check out the podcast and wake up. See the
Wake up. 